liked you immediately. You didn't come on to me at all. I liked that. I was so tongue-tied around you at first. I wanted you to think I was smart. I couldn't wait to come to work. I had these fantasies of us being married and having kids. To 
Love audience, it's the Ron and Fez show. On a weekday, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. A little bit of a, a late start today. Which means we may have to leave early. So just to kind of even up. Because Fez has OCDs mm-hmm. and each side of something has to be exactly the same. Uh, Tim, Tim in Connecticut, you're on the Run of Fez show. Good morning, my buddy. Hey, buddy. Got the Ichiban for you? Then let me hit this. <laughs> to let you know I have a drop exactly like the word you said. There you go. Today, the Ichiban is the next WrestleMania. We've got Jesse the Body Ventura versus our very own Little Jimmy Norton. And, of course, his entrance music will be the Penny Stock Chaser song. Penny Stock Chaser, Penny Stock Chaser. Do, 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 do. Penny Stock Chaser, Penny Stock Chaser. Do, 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 do. I was a nervous wreck this morning. What happened? You forget to change your diaper? No, not. I, I don't wear diapers. But when Jesse. He's a big girl. But when Jesse Ventura was getting into it with Jimmy, I was a nervous wreck that Jesse was going to swing on Jimmy or anyone else in the studio. That he was just going to go nuts in here. Well, lucky for all of us, uh, Jesse is 80. So if he starts to swing, we probably have a couple weeks to get out of the way. He hasn't been in the ring since what? 81? <laughs> Yeah, he, was he even in the 80s at all? He barely made it into the 80s. He retired early. I got news for you. I'd be a lot more nervous if Vern Gagne tried to shoot <laughs> on somebody here. Not all that concerned. We can handle the perimeter. Take down the body. <clears throat> you never served. Okay. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, Jimmy in Jersey, you're on Fez. Good morning, Bunnis. Yeah. Uh, I think the question on everybody's mind is, is Fezzy participating in the 2009 Tippy Tom Memorial Homeless Shopping Spree? I will not be part of the homeless shopping oh. spree this year. Jimmy, to answer your question, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely, yes. No, I do not want to partake in that thing this year. You're still homeless. You have every right to get out there. And get some nice cologne for your eyes. I have a home. I was mistaken for homeless last time out three years ago. Mm-hmm. And, yes, in a department store, in a mall, a homeless person sprayed cologne right in my eyes and blinded me. And it made CNN and the Drudge Report. Yes. So, I yes, you need to go back. I, it's reunion time. I do not want to go through that again, and I cannot explain to people enough. You know what I hate, though? When a band has a reunion and one person doesn't go back for yeah. it. It's just stupid. Don't be the Mike Nesmith of the fucking homeless shopping. And I can't, I, well, I can't explain this enough. How bad that bus smelled on the way to the mall. It was, I mean, I could was, I say was some, gut-retching. Could I say something and maybe this will change your mind and make you want to do it? What's that? It's going to be on Pal Talk again. So, oh, yes. the exposure you're looking for. It doesn't change my mind of hanging out with the homeless. Well, would you feel better if it was homeful? The homeful shopping spree? Because you could show up as the one homeful guy. The, uh, would you make sure he gets a shirt that says homeful? Yes. Or maybe even homeful the holidays, and that could be like his elf name. The bus would smell better if it was homefuls. Stop complaining. Just go out there, do your thing, and enjoy. 
James in Maryland, you're on the Ron and Fez show. What's your Ichiban? Ronnie, it's the it's the New Jersey Nets. If they lose tonight against the Dallas Mavericks, they're 0 18 and zero. They fired their coach on Saturday. Worst record in the NBA. And personally, Ronnie, I would have paid big money to see Jesse Ventura slam Fez into the studio. Um, big money. I was worried that he'd go after anybody around here. I'm glad he's out of the building. The 0-18 will be the worst start in the history of the NBA. But the we'll, history. But it won't be the worst start in the history of the human race. <laughs> I guess not. There's a couple Yugoslavian teams. <laughs> but this is, this is, uh, it's a black mark on New Jersey right now. Uh, Derek in Louisiana, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron Fez, Dave, what's happening? Yeah. Um, I got a moral conundrum. Oh, no. It's a moral conundrum. Conundrum. Uh, I love Jimmy Norton to death, but I happen to agree with uh, Ventura, and I don't think Jimmy paid him the proper respect. So should I stop listening to Opie and Anthony because of Jimmy? Or What what respect the, do you think that Jimmy didn't pay uh, the old uh, lady? Because he was, he, you know, Ventura was right, and Jimmy just didn't want to hear it. And he kept trying to holler over and Ventura really never got... So really, hard. if two people have a disagreement, you yeah. you can't you know you can't just say it as two people having a disagreement. You somehow uh, I, it changes yeah, you your can, life. You can see that, but uh, the way he was acting was just wrong altogether. You know what I mean? I I didn't hear that part of the program. I did see uh, Mr. Ventura uh, downstairs uh, going around the fucking turnstile two different times and making me laugh very very hard because of that. He also. Okay. Uh, Derek, it doesn't seem like, uh, you know, you want to be so close-minded that you got to panic every time you don't believe, you don't agree with somebody that you hear on the radio. You're you right. you don't want to listen to a fucking show uh, and agree with everything that everybody on it says all the time. You might as well go and watch Fox News and be some kind of a fucking blithering idiot just hearing the same shit every day and repeating it back to your TV. Of course you want to disagree with the people in, that you listen to for entertainment. Now, was it respect for Jesse's military service or being a former AWA tag champ? Is that, did he actually have one belt as a tag guy? In the AWA. No, no WWE, WWF titles. That would have been the WWWWF. <laughs> they never stopped the Ws in the early days. <laughs> it was but, wrestling. Yeah. But with Adrian Adonis in the AWA. Oh, an awful wrestler. The East-West Connection. Why would you say that? The man who held the strap. Have some respect for him. Okay. It's just so big, Adrian Adonis. And wasn't he the first gay wrestler? Yeah, they had to be, right? I think there was, was... his angle gay, at least? His angle was gay. Yeah, the adorable. What about uh, Gorgeous George? Was his angle gay? His angle was, uh, I think, effeminate. I don't okay. think he ever went completely gay. All right, let's go to the gay wrestlers. Mm -hmm. Adrian Adonis. Right. Bruno San Martino. Stone Cold. The Rock. <laughs> and the entire 90s. <laughs> Ravishing Rick Rude was gay. Even though they, they, he said he was a ladies' man, he was, uh, he was totally for guys to jerk off to. Why don't you, New Jersey, know nothings, Shut your mouth and take a gander at a real man. <laughs> and uh, Macho Man, I always thought was very gay. What if you were fighting Rick Rick Rude? You yeah. had a battle with Rick Rude. Right. And when he showed up to the fight, 
he had Casey's face spray painted on his pants. <laughs> would that make you happier or angrier? I would be very upset. See, that's how he gets to you, and he gets yeah. you out of your game. You're then you can't do the scientific wrestling you're known for. The last, the last of the great airbrushed wrestlers. If I was Dave's manager, mm -hmm. I would keep yelling in his, in his ear, don't look at his pants. <laughs> very cheaply made, those pants as well. Mm -hmm. But Macho Man, too much flamboyant side of the macho man he was quite gay in my opinion well a lot of streamers just everything and he well can i tell you the difference between macho man and the other wrestlers at least he graduated because he would always have the graduation mark <laughs> now, i don't know if this is a slur but i mean he was kind of a fag hag because he was friends with elizabeth but you never saw them like make out or do anything in the ring they, they got just, married it felt very forced to me it was very much like a Sex in the City type deal with Macho Man. The whole thing of wrestling is gay. You don't have to worry about it. Uh, Dan in Knoxville, you're on Run of Fuzz. Hey, guys. Hey, I got to respond to Derek the dipshit this call because I listened to the same program he did. And I don't know where he got off saying that Jesse wasn't shown respect. Hey, Jesse was disrespecting O and A and, and Jimmy because they hadn't making little, uh, you know, r remarks about them not serving their country and military-wise and, you know, and, and just made a little can, innuendo. But can I just say something to you? Hasn't Jesse always been an act? He's just fucking carny. He's got a show on now that should be called Walk Down the Midway and Get Something From Me, Jesse Ventura. Don't take it serious. He came in here. He put on a good show. He left angry. That's fucking great. What more do you want out of the guy? <laughs> Stop getting upset with, you know, either Jimmy or even Jesse. Th there's no way O&A and Jimmy wouldn't welcome Jesse back. Of course they would. If he wants to come back, he can. Maybe after his period's over. <laughs> Which is great at his age, still having. There's still eggs. He kind of looks odd without the mustache. Kind of looks odd, period. Yeah, he does. It's like Alex Trebek without the mustache as well. They never, they've never recovered. Uh, it's been 20 years. <laughs> That Alex says it had a mustache. That looks weird to me. You, uh, you know what? You show your age a little more every day. <laughs> I'm 32. I'm not old. Oh wow, really? Yeah, why? Because I remember in the 60s, don't don't uh, trust anyone over 30. <laughs> so you would not be trusted. Well, the times they are changing. That's hmm? also from the 60s. What's that mean? Uh, something Dylan Rowe, I think. Mm. Matt. <laughs> it's quite the wordsmith. Uh, here's uh, Bill in North Carolina. You're on Fez. Hey, uh, Fizzy. Yes. Hey, with that dead cat on your head, you could be in the homely shopping spree. Okay, see, this is why I don't want to go. There's already jokes about it. There's not going to be any jokes. You have my word. Jack in South Carolina. Hey, Fizz, would you get on the bus if it was called the homo shopping spree? <laughs> see, everyone's got a comment about it. I heard even Richard Dreyfus laugh. <laughs> <laughs> See you, Richard Dreyfus. <laughs> Martin. <laughs> Martin. The, the boy was attacked. But you know what was, to me, the worst scene in Jaws? What? When he says, are you still eating that? And he takes his food. <laughs> he was very, uh... He barely knew the guy. You might want to let that breathe, okay? Right, you got two bottles of wine, right? Yeah. Don't buy that. Buy yourself some food. <laughs> right. Don't act like you're starving... And yet you have the money to buy wine, and then later tell us how rich you are. Just take some of your rich money, like for your boat, <laughs> and buy some fucking, um, buy a sandwich. Yeah, I mean, even on his boat, he was eating pretzels. It's like, he should have had way better snacks. 
This guy was fucking wealthy. He's eating some dry Snyder's pretzels. No thanks. <coughs> God bless. God bless him, though. And God bless Roy Scheider. Um, what is it, Matt? What do you got for us today, buddy? Hey, I got an Ichiban bomb for you. Yeah. Uh, Fez has a new member of his team. Meredith Baxter has come out as a lesbian. Is she no longer Meredith Baxter Bernie? Yeah, she dropped the Bernie. That's sad to hear. Yeah, but she had uh, she had always been Meredith Baxter Bernie. So that's the big part of the story. Uh, Davy Mac, what do you think of this one? I'm quite surprised, and it changes the way I I, I will watch Family Ties reruns um, because I always suspected that she she did not have a good rapport with the father, Stephen Stephen Keaton. Right. Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. No, no, that's the actor. She, she. I never felt like they were actually. A, they, they had a connection, and now she re revealing that she's gay. It confirms it to me that I think that character was also gay. It's a. It, it's because she also Meredith Baxter has five fucking kids. Had had a husband. All gay. She had two husbands. She said both she gay. She All said gay. she didn't realize that she was gay up until seven years ago. And it well, took that, her seven years to come out. But maybe she's not gay. Maybe she just met some chick she digs. Well, she said that's what brought the realization that she was gay. She said with her husbands and other relationships, she always thought it was a thing of there's something wrong with that other person. She said it never dawned on her that it could be that it's something with her something to do with her that you know she just didn't well, like men well that, that's ridiculous because that would be like when everybody gets divorced they think it's the other person and obviously it has something to do with you too just meant the two of you couldn't fucking work it out now you're gonna just scream out at every divorced person you're gay <laughs> but here's the deal she she could break up with this chick she's with down mm -hmm. mean another guy and then make this announcement I'm no longer, I'm straight. Right. That's basically what NH did as well. Right. She, she said, yeah, I'm not gay anymore. And it actually makes you wonder, maybe you're not born gay. I hate to say that, but it seems like this is evidence that you're not born gay. That it's a choice. It's a choice. At least that's, that's the way it appears with Meredith Baxter. Maybe Anne H was born bisexual. Well, then why does she say that? Why doesn't why don't why didn't she make that statement a long time yeah, ago? Yeah, she said that she was a lesbian when she was hooking up with that chick. Right, and with Meredith Baxter Bernie, she's still figuring it out, I guess. But if she's gay now mm -hmm. and she was straight, that makes her bisexual because she lived as a straight person a lot longer than she's ever lived as a gay person. Right. So you can't throw away the straightness. Yeah, she's just choosing. She's choosing. Because how can you all of a sudden... Choosing or losing? How can you have sex so much that you have five kids? and then Five times. And then you become a woman. I mean, and then you, you want to be... With Girl, a woman. Uh, ow, 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 you'll be a woman soon. soon. Well, she Meredith says she's, she, I like you so much, can't count all the ways. She says she's been gay all along and just realized it seven years ago. Bullshit. I, that's like saying... That this is the most natural feeling to her. So what? Why is it such a big deal? Why doesn't she just do it? What is this fucking announcement all about? Because um, the National Enquirer was getting ready to out her. Mm -hmm. So she wanted to beat them to the punch. Good. Now we're all better off. <laughs>
they're going to run a story about her being spotted on a lesbian cruise. This doesn't mean anything. I, I kind of agree with what Dave said, though, that she's made a couple choices in her life, and this is just her most recent choice. She certainly wasn't born gay yeah. because she had five kids, so she hasn't lived an exclusively gay lifestyle. And there's a there's shame. She had some shame, and it's just confusing why gay people just... If they really don't think that they have a problem, they should be coming out instantly. She was very nervous about it. Why? Well, like Harvey Milk said in his award-winning uh, movie, <laughs> where he was best actor, the worst people are the ones who don't come out because they're the ones not... They would help everybody understand because then everybody would understand a gay person. Mm. And then he go, would go like this. I'm Harvey Milk, and I'm here to recruit you. Terrible, terrible movie. In fact, I, I, I just saw The Wrestler last night, mm -hmm. and actually looking back on it, it was a fucking crime that Mickey Rourke did not win the Oscar, and they gave it to Sean Penn. I'm sorry. Sean Penn also had his Mystic River uh, Oscar, and the Harvey Milk thing was a funny voice. Wait, don't we have an on further, uh, on further review? 43. 43? Uh, Hold on, then let me uh, do this to see whether it works. Upon further review! That's right. Upon further review, Mickey Rourke should have won the Oscar. Period. And what did Sean Penn... I love Sean Penn. I worship him. He's the, one of the greatest actors ever. But Harvey Milk, that is not a good movie. Not a good performance. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a great performance because you really don't see Sean in it. Uh, it's but, not a great movie. The Wrestler, not really a great movie. A great performance. Well, but... but to me, that's what it's all about. I mean, Philadelphia was not a great movie, but they gave it to Tom Hanks because it was a great performance. I don't even think it was. I think that we were all trying to say, hey, we're on the sides of AIDS people. Okay, but... I, the, I wasn't blown away by that film or performance. But the, the Oscar, the actor, it's about the actor. It's about that performance. And what, what the uh, the subtlety that Mickey Rourke had on his face with him and Look, Marissa Tomei... Everybody, everyone agrees with you. It was a toss-up. It went back and forth. Even all the awards were kind of split. And this was the last award. And, you know. Well, I'm just saying, upon further review, it was a crime. It was a crime that Mickey Work didn't get that because, I, like I said, Sean Penn has delivered better performances. Do you mean that or are you just trying to annoy Fez? I'm not trying As to annoy I see him over there huffing and puffing. I think Sean Penn had the bigger transformation as an acting performance. Mickey Rourke's not a wrestler for for crying out loud, and you know <laughs> he was a boxer. This is about a broken down wrestler. I mean, the character had the good right, and Mickey Rourke's been broken down in his career and his life. Anyone who who just takes a movie one on one course says all movies have to have to have a big arc, and that's the movie, and that's the lead actor, and the arc that Mickey Rourke had was. Unbelievable. Sean Penn was a flatline, and they get shot at the end. What was the big... So, if big... anything, you're blaming the writing and the directing more yeah, okay. than... I mean, let's you face something. That. You could say that. Sean Penn had to play something that really happened. Yes. So it's not going to have the same arc as your 101 fucking class <laughs> had. You can't blame the performer for that. The only thing you can say is, did he disappear into that role? And they both did. They both did really great jobs. But also, Sean Penn had footage of Harvey Milk to go by. And yeah, there's no wrestling a, that footage. That makes it even tougher.
But I mean, come on, we 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 criticize uh, the 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 black guy for his portrayal of Ray or Joaquin Phoenix for Johnny Cash. I mean, these are biopics. They're not, you know, they're not original. Nobody knew fucking Harvey Milk. Everybody who sat down and watched that movie, uh, most of the straight people were surprised by the ending because they didn't know what the fuck happened to him. Um, 866 Ron Zero Fez. 866 Ron Zero Fez. Hey, Sean, you're on Fez. Hey, Robbie. Hey, it, it's so annoying when people use the term of gay or calling somebody gay or calling somebody straight when it's just someone in love with somebody. Why can't someone just Love who they want to love, and there doesn't have to be a label put on whatever that is. I have no problem with it. I have no problem with that at all. Jessica in Ohio. Dude, you're, you're born gay. It's like nature versus nurture. I think it's circumstantial. I think Meredith Baxter-Bernie, along with a lot of women, just out of nowhere, you know, in mid-40s, 50s, however old she is, or in other women. Then how does that make you born gay if it takes you to 45 to know it? <laughs> because I think it's circumstantial. Her life followed a... So circumstantial uh, a, a is public. not fucking... Na but that it's was not her nature. Choice. But her choice was also to become a actress, was it not? I mean, she, yeah. wasn't, she wasn't born into being an actress. Yes, you, you make a career choice. Right, that was her choice. So, so her life path followed her choice. Now, who she was inside was just pushed back. That, that was not a what, what you're saying doesn't look. Look, let me tell you why I don't. I don't really believe in the nature versus nurture. If we fucking woke up tomorrow, and all the women on the planet disappeared, <laughs> the amount of cock sucking and ass fucking that would take place would be phenomenal. Oh, you're absolutely right. And it right. would take hours. <laughs> now, would that mean that everybody on uh, every man on the planet was born gay? No. They would adapt and adapt quickly to the new choice <laughs> of, I want my cock to feel really good. I don't fucking, I don't make judgments on what people do sexually. Don't do it. What do I care? As long as it has nothing to do with me. Why would I even have the slightest care? But you can't tell me somebody fucking making a choice in their 40s or the 50s means that they were born that way. Mm -hmm. Doesn't fucking make sense. That's like saying, I waited until I was fucking 45 before I started to have a sandwich. It's insane talk. And I don't know what benefit you get from saying the choice is not mine. Right. And, well, she feels that um, this has been all, all along, now that she's reflected back on it. She now, didn't realize that when it was happening, she had this realization seven years ago. Right, so what? She made choices before, right? Mm -hmm. Now she's making a different choice. Why does she have to say I was born that way? It, if anything, it just weakens. It weakens your fucking argument. But it doesn't weaken it when it comes to civil rights. What, what civil rights? To be able to get married, to be able with Social Security. To, but that has nothing to do with the actual science of it. If you want to fucking lie to get to the end means of what you want, that's fucking ridiculous. If anything, it just hurts your cause. To say, all right, let's all pretend something so we can get Social Security. Why not just say everyone who makes choices should be able to get the fucking Social Security? Then you'd have a stronger fucking argument. Um, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Matt in Carolina, you're on Ron Fez. 
Connie, don't you think Meredith's kind of passed the good gay, lesbian, sex years anyway? I mean, it's kind of, kind of late in the game, ain't it? Well, maybe not for her and whoever she's dating, you know? She can still fucking do, reason. Still do Scissor Sisters. Rub that old pussy on someone else's old pussy. She's met someone that she went on the lesbian cruise with. Gays and their cruises. What is this? I don't know why they just <laughs> can't fucking sit on dry land and they fucking love the date. Water. <laughs> they do. Cruises <laughs> are nice. Why do they do the They're same shit, though? It, I'm, I, honestly, that's almost like an analogy for they only do the same protests as reactions. They only do cruises or the Streisand or the musical. Why, why can't they come up with new hobbies? Invent a sport. There are gay sports. Gay sports leagues. I've it never doesn't heard. make it a gay sport. I've never heard of that. Um, you know what? There's also uh, straight fucking uh, sports leagues. Um, Major League Baseball. Yeah. NFL. I love them. Hockey. That's why I love them. I don't know how straight they are. Prove it. Out those fuckers. <laughs> I'd love to hear the stories. Roberto Alomar will sue you. Tiger every one of those britches. <laughs> Max in Virginia, you're on my first. Yeah, Ronnie, got a uh, question. Your opinion on the nature versus nurture in this situation. I got a high school buddy. I'm 37 years old. Got a high school buddy who was the uh, starting quarterback. You know, he he uh, got all the hot chicks in high school, took the virginity of the uh, prom queen, was the all-league baseball player, totally normal, nice, fine dude. Six months ago at age 37, he, you know, after gnashing of teeth and big problems, comes out gay. Is that... I don't, you know, I don't know if he's born gay or not. Uh, his life would be "quote unquote" easier if he hadn't come out. So, where, where do you stand on whether that, what that has to do with nature versus nurture? First of all, it doesn't. It doesn't seem to be this big fucking heavy thing to me. Okay, the guy's not choosing to do anything other than his own fucking life. The fact that he yeah, played. But I live in, I live in freaking West End of Richmond, Virginia. It's a damn small little snooty-ass neighborhood. All right, let, let me ask you this. Let's suppose he, he lived in a fucking neighborhood like that. He decides to fucking marry a, a black girl, right? <laughs> now, that would be against all the social norms of where you live, right, Max? Absolutely. That, now, would that be able him to say, but you don't understand. I fucking was born this way. I love that. Who would fucking care? Just make the choices you want. And if you live in a neighborhood uh, of people like Max, learn to put your fucking middle finger up while you're fucking driving home. Because fuck them. Fuck trying to impress the people in your neighborhood with who fucking makes you feel better about yourself. Jesus Christ. They could move, yeah. I mean, we have cars now. But why would you be, a, why, why have you suddenly, you fell in love with a black woman, do you have to fucking run home and try to, you don't understand, mom, I was born this way. It's not my choice. Fuck no, defend your fucking choice. You fucking fall in love with a man, that's who you want to be with? Fuck anybody who doesn't agree with it. What do you need these other fucking people hanging around, fucking clucking like chickens around you? If he even thinks like that, he's not actually in love, though. Yeah. You, if you're really in love, you don't give, you don't fucking care what anyone else thinks. Yeah. Uh, Wes in Austin, you're on a Fez. Hey, yeah, Ronnie B. Hey, I just want to try and point out, I think that <clears throat> you're kind of misunderstanding how, uh, <laughs> how difficult it is to be gay in the South. I think it's very similar 
how blacks were treated in the 40s and the 50s and 60s, except the difference is that gay people can hide the fact that they're gay. I think that if you looked at it, countless of black people would have loved to have hid the fact that they were black. Um, it's not, it's not, you can just but, say, but here's the fucking, here's the point, right, Wes? If yeah. you were to hid that you were black, it wouldn't have fucking helped with the struggle at all, right? No, 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 I disagree. I disagree. I totally disagree. I think that a gay person in Texas or Mississippi walking through Walmart is the same as a black guy walking down the street. You get, you would get looks, you get stares. I'm a straight guy, and I do it even unconscious from the society that I grew up in. It's then like that, trust of a, of a gender. Yeah, but because that fucking society needs to be changed and all of our fucking society always always is going to be out of fucking kilter from where you think of what a perfect society is but it doesn't mean that you now go back and fucking say it's scientific and yet not show up with scientific proof but that's it, what fucking that's what weakens your fucking argument but they, these are the people that get asked about it. Matt Lauer asked Meredith Baxter, you know, why this choice now? And she's explaining that it's not a choice. Well, she's first of all, how first she of all, she would not have been on fucking TV unless she had this fucking story. Right? Right. So, so don't act like fucking Matt Lauer went running up to her on the fucking house. <sighs> no one's had any interest in this woman for 20 years. She can feel any way she wants. I'm not fucking taking that away from her. She could have said, I've been making the wrong choices for 30 fucking years. I got no fucking problem with that. The reality of it is, but we don't have this fucking gene. Let me tell you this. Would you want science to find this gene and that we could identify gay babies as soon as they're fucking born? And then if a straight kid starts to act like, oh, I'm interested. No, you don't have the fucking gene. What is wrong? Why is it so... Why is it so important for fucking people to feel like they don't have a choice? I fucking don't understand how people go around saying they love the United States of America and yet none of their choices have to do with them. Hmm. It just doesn't fucking uh, work that way. Jed in Tennessee, you're on the fence. Yo, what's up, Ronnie? What's up, Fez? Good. Um, I just got the, the quick point. You made a you made a point earlier about uh, well, two points actually. That uh, what what does it benefit her, uh, Meredith Baxter Bernie, if she says, "Oh, it's not her choice that she was born that way." And I think you know possibly um, it breaks down to a spiritual matter. You know, if if she says, uh, "I was born that way," then she doesn't have to answer for her sin problem, so to speak. Um, like you said uh, earlier about a guy coming home with a black girl, I, I'm from Tennessee. Um, if you came home with a black girl, you'd definitely get <laughs> some looks. But uh, in that regard, the Bible doesn't say you shouldn't. Date first of all, first of all, what? they used to use the Bible against that years ago. They would fucking call the blacks mud people and H is supposed to. The, the fucking churches down south used to use slavery as yeah, something that, that was in the Bible. Used to use a verse that says, "Be not unequally yoked together, believers with unbelievers," and then would state that as uh, blacks with whites. And that's that's ignorant and, and bigoted in itself. <clears throat> um, I, I, I'm not going to sit and fucking debate this Bible thing for you because number one, it has nothing to do with our laws as it is, and number two, people use the fucking Bible for their side. 
The gay churches will use it as a pro-gay thing. The anti-gay churches will use it as an anti-gay thing. Eight six six run zero fez. Eight six six run zero fez. Uh, General, you're on fez. Yes, um, I wanted to ask uh, fez a question. Um, if, if if everybody knows that you are something, but yet you still like pretend like there's a secret there. I mean, how does that work? Is that like what is that? The, is it that you're afraid of if the secret is comes out when everybody already knows the secret? I think what it what it comes down to is people getting comfortable with themselves. People, you know, uh, coming out when they're ready to come out. No, but I'm, I'm saying, though, like, no, uh, what do you think would change when you do? Like, what, 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 what is the change you're expecting when you do come out? Well, I think, I think with gay people, it's, you know, it's a feeling of honesty and living who you really are. Living as truthful as you can be. As, as what you, you do, you do ever reveal the secret. Do you ever think that something? He's would... fucking with you, Fez. He's fucking with you. Um, eight six six runs zero Fez. Eight six six runs zero Fez. Pete in in uh, New York City. Yeah, how's it going? Uh, listen, I want to say, what about uh, transgender people that you know have come up as children? You know. Constantly since, since they're babies, basically playing with, you know, I guess the the the, uh, the inappropriate sex toys and things like that. You know, toys for for a different gender, and growing up that way, and you know, that's not a choice. They 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 are who they are, and you know, the strong ones ultimately come up, and 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 you know, everybody is who they are. Everybody is who they are. It's fucking in, it's insane to sit around and worry as if one thing is more important than the other. I'm fucking for gay rights 100% of the time. I don't see why they shouldn't have every other fucking right. But then I also don't want to see them fucking bashing their heads against the wall with these stupid arguments. It's not that people want to, like, label, each, label themselves so early on, you know, and say, well, I was born this way, so this is the box that you should put me in. It's strange. I don't know if every gay person is saying I was born this way as a as a, a message of I'm a victim. Well, what about this, though? What if I say I'm not attracted to, let's say, Puerto Rican women, okay? Okay. Would I have been born that way, or would that have been society kind of getting that into my head as a, as a little kid? Or would I have seen something when I was three that fucking turned me off? Who fucking knows? Right. But it's not that big a fucking deal. There's no one that should be fucking screaming at me, oh, you should be going out with Puerto Rican women. One doesn't mean one from the other. A lot of people, their fucking fetishes are fucking established from stuff that happened when they were little fucking kids. So what? Do, should I stop them from fucking doing it? Should I say, oh, fucking turn yourself around? What do I care? <laughs> Enjoy it. That um, Puerto Rican thing was just a story, right? Yeah. We'll go out with Puerto Rican girl tomorrow. <laughs> um, let's go over here to Todd, Missouri. You're on Ron Fez. Hi, Fez. I got a question for you. You talk about people being comfortable with themselves. Mm -hmm. How can you have the balls to put on that yellow shirt this morning and that fruity outer plaid shirt, but don't have the balls to tell everybody your secret? 
Because I'm going to feel free to wear whatever I want, jerk-off. And I can talk about anything I want. How does he know what you're wearing? That's the question. The Sam is fucking uploading stuff. Okay, that was creepy. Why? I'll, I'll, I'll fucking protect Fez. There's Twitios constantly here. Would it, would... I'll fucking Jim Norton, that caller. If they're going to start stalking Fez. That's what I'll do. I'll Norton you to death. Hmm? means I'll protect. I'll, I'll fight. Who did he protect? Like himself, America, I think. Yeah, you didn't listen to it. <laughs> I, I heard part of it. Um, here is, uh, here's Nick in Mississippi. You're in front of Fez. Ron Bennington, you are absolutely the voice of reason when it comes to this subject. I think people... Forced into it every fucking wanna, day. They want to, they want to be, they want to say it wasn't their choice, so they don't have to take responsibility for the action, and then they can look at people and say, hey, you know, like the retarded baby, or like a blind person, or a crippled person... You can't judge me for what I do. You know, I think the gay movement needs a public relations person because they need to get their stuff together and more people would be open to give them the rights that they truly deserve as couples. And What horrible yes. act aren't they taking responsibility for? I don't understand your argument at all. What, 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 what thing aren't gay people taking responsibility for? I'm telling you right now. What, what you guys do is, you know that you've got the Christians against you, and you know that you've got other people against the act of being gay. So right away, you want to take responsibility out of you committing that act of being gay, you doing the sexual act, when all you really should do is say, hey, look, if we love each other and we're in a committed relationship, why shouldn't that person be my next of kin? Why shouldn't we share Social Security? Just like, you know, when it comes to a lot of the other issues, you guys are so fractured and you're all fighting for all the wrong issues and you're pushing for marriage, which is ridiculous, when you should just push for the rights that come with marriage. Who cares about the marriage issue? You're only going to offend people who are against you, know you who cares getting about married. The, you know who cares about the marriage issue? People who aren't allowed to get married. That's who care about the marriage issue. Then I would actually like to make that more people. I like to make it almost fucking impossible to get married <laughs> in this country. Because it's fucked up and it doesn't work. Oh, I'm in a marriage, Ron. Thank you. No, no <laughs> I was hoping you would retract something. No, I thought you wanted me to put you up there as Exhibit A. <laughs> I have a wonderful marriage. I know you do. I just like to go for comedy. <laughs> I like to be comedic sometimes. Uh, Dave in Oklahoma. Hey, what's up, boy? Yeah. Hey, uh, in regards to Meredith Baxter Bernie, does this mean her next Lifetime television movie is going to be called Any Woman Snatch? I don't know. Uh, Brad in San Francisco. Hey, buddy. I, guys, I don't really get your argument at all. Uh, let's say that I grow up and I don't like olives my mm -hmm. entire life. But my family is in the olive business. And so my whole life, I have to lie and tell, I'm scared to come out and say that I don't like olives because I don't want to offend my family. But then when I'm 35 and I'm away from my family and my dad dies and the olive business closes, I can finally go, you know what, guys? I've always hated olives my entire life. That's not a choice. But That's guess what? In me. Guess what? Wouldn't everyone say, who gives a fuck? 
Or why did you waste the first 35 years of your life? It really wouldn't... Uh, you're talking the difference between a preference or a fucking allergy. When it really comes down to it, you know what I say, Brad? Why did you ever fake eating olives? Fuck olives. Because I was scared. I was scared to offend my family. <laughs> that doesn't... But being afraid... You know, there has been... I'm going to let you go because I can't hear over you. But nature has never fucking rewarded the fearful. The United States of America, it's about being the fucking home of the brave. That's what they fucking told you from the fucking get-go. Of course people have had to fight for their fucking rights in this country. Should you have to? No. Does common sense tell you better? Yes. Don't fucking hide behind shit that doesn't matter. Go after the real stuff. I don't know how these things come up all the time, where later you hear, like, uh, Meredith Baxter Burning begin like, uh, you know what, I don't even do this, please, don't even bring it up. Uh, the Tom Ford movie, which I can't wait to see. Uh, and we were talking about, um, you know, prominent gays in this country, he's certainly one of them. He went out of his way, if you see the trailer, you, do, you wouldn't even know that there's a gay theme to it. It looks like uh, a hetero fucking film and he said hey it's not a gay movie although the book is a gay book it's a gay story all the way through so if they don't want to fucking battle for it why should I have to why should I have to fucking hear from anybody 866 Ron Zero Fez 866 Ron Zero Fez here's our buddy John from Sports Grumblings hey how you doing Ronnie yeah um, I think there's two issues. One is, on an individual level, you're right, it shouldn't matter at all, whether it's a choice or something you're born with. But on a macro level, if you look at the history of it, it went from being something you're born with, uh, I'm sorry, uh, being a choice, to being something you're born with around 1979, 1980. And there were two major reasons for it. One was the outbreak of the AIDS virus, and the other one was the Reagan administration. And the reason for that was that if it, if it got taken off the books, as a choice, then it becomes politically acceptable for you to play sympathies and get... Yeah, funding. I understand the politicalness of it, but that's not going to win in the long run. That's a short fucking... Uh, that's a shortcut that you're taking that's going to hurt you in the long run. I, I agree with you on an individual level, but on the overall level, and I personally agree with you, I think the, the argument is much stronger if you say, this is America, it's a choice, this is something that we choose to do, and therefore, let's, you know, if you're going to have any argument, argue on the merits of the choice. But I think politically, for example, you get the protections of the ADA, the Americans with uh, Disability Act, if it's something you're born with. But is that what you want? Do you want to say, I, I'm living with a disability? <laughs> this, stand up and take the fucking stronger road. No, take I agree with you. But the question is, in terms of, and again, I guess it's a strategic move if you want to view it as a movement but strategically i guess the question but, is would you rather go for the dollars the support and no, the legal protection? no for me personally if i was fucking if i was part of this i would say you fucking take me off the disability fucking books my life is not a fucking disability and if that's going to cost me more here or there yeah i'll fucking deal with it that's absolutely true and it's but uh, you know also the same way that it was also considered a mental disorder right say no a few decades ago so say no 
But this, fucking fight back against it. But, you know, the people who are saying, I was born this way, I mean, if it has its political benefits, that's one thing. But they also believe it. It's Believing not that they're lying. So what? Believing something doesn't make it a scientific fact. Those fucking people used to believe that the fucking uh, that the fucking Earth was the center of the universe. They also believed that the Earth was flat. They believed it with everything they had. It didn't make it fucking so. The people who believe things without thinking about them are more like on the Reagan side. They're the fucking people who aren't thinking things out. I know fucking I, I know fucking gay guys who voted for Reagan twice. What's that fucking tell you about thinking? They weren't. I think gay people need to change it of like a very fundamental level. They shouldn't have even called themselves gay. They should just be like, hey, I'm a, I'm a dude. I'm a dude who likes dudes. Then they can run with all the young dudes as their fucking theme song. <laughs> yeah. Which should have been it from the beginning. <laughs> Stop calling yourself gay in the first place. <laughs> and then we can sing old-time songs and about, you know, the gay old times and not laugh. All right. You got to read something, Fez. Yeah, this Sunday, Robin Williams returns to HBO with a brand nano, new... Nano, nano. Nano, nano. Brand new exclusive HBO stand-up special. Shazba. So this is Robin Williams' Welp Weapons of Self-Destruction. Weapons of Self-Destruction, it's going to be on this Sunday, 9 p.m. in the East, 8 p.m. Central, and only on HBO. This is his fifth solo HBO stand-up special, and it's uh, taking place as part of his sold-out tour. This is taped at uh, in Washington, D.C. at the Constitution Hall, taped in front of a live audience, and so it's the accumulation of this tour that's going to be shown this Sunday night on HBO. Uh, I, can't, uh, I can't wait for this, Fezzi. So, and it's Robin Williams. Yeah, and it's been a while since he's done one of these. His first tour in the last six years, and it's been a while since he's had one of these HBO specials. So he's back on stage, funnier than ever. It's Robin Williams this Sunday. A million times funnier than ever. And you can also check out his new film, Old Dogs, uh, co-starring John Travolta, which is in theaters now. And will there be a Popeye 2? I don't think there will be a Popeye 2. That's a mistake, because I love that movie. Well, Altman's dead. So the exclusive HBO comedy event. What about P.T. Anderson does it? That would be awesome. They're For best real. friends, you know. Really? The last film that Altman did, he didn't uh, pass whatever physicals because he had that heart transplant or whatever. P.T. Anderson was on the set every day with him. That is really weird. And the, and the point was this. If something happens to Altman, I'll take over and start directing the film. It's the only way Altman could get the insurance. That's a, oh my God, that's Isn't terrible. Isn't that great? Yeah, it's, that's amazing. Um, and it's weird because I always thought Magnolia had a very Nashville feel to it. Not even Nashville, but did you ever watch uh, Shortcuts? Of course. Shortcuts, yes. Shortcuts is probably more similar. It's almost exactly. Yeah. The frogs, the earthquake, all the stories, the way they come together. I love that, man. Who? Altman. Mm. You don't love PT? I love him too. Come on. What about Robin Williams? The exclusive. He's got the, this is his commercial. I love him. He's actually my favorite. And it's an exclusive HBO comedy event this Sunday. Robin Williams. Is he going to do the bit where he sits on his face? I don't <laughs> know if that's in this. Robin Williams' Weapons of Self-Destruction. It airs Sunday, December 6th, 9 p.m. in the East, 8 p.m. Central, and only on HBO. You give them this technique of transcendental meditation. It's a mental technique, an ancient form of meditation that literally and truly opens the door to the deepest level of life. 
unbounded, infinite, eternal, pure consciousness. Modern science's unified field. In Vedic language, it's called Atma, means the self. Know thyself. All right, buddies, it's the Ron and Fez Show, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Rich has been uh, safe and happy after his hip surgery. Rich is back on the scene. Won't be doing his show for the rest of the month, though. He'll be back next year. God bless that little Notre Dame fighting Irish fan. You love him, right? I love him. I love him to death. Fezzi, you you love him? Adore Regis. Do you guys ever watch his morning show? Yeah, I used to all the time. No, How I, about recently? No, I haven't seen it. No. no. I, I thought so. I haven't seen Can it in a long time yet. Yeah, I got two words for you. Yeah. Bobby Bowden. <laughs> he's the Bobby Bowden of the morning. Really? It's not a bad thing. He's an older guy now, and he's kind of become the joke on his own show. Where like oh there goes Regis again. Oh so Kelly Kelly Ripa is is mocking him. Kelly Ripa obviously would love to have her husband host a show with her. They're from two different generations. Yeah I know. Regis but... is a little old man. It's like seeing an old guy with his granddaughter. She must get so excited anytime he has to have one of these surgeries or procedures. You think she's uh, happier without him? Oh yeah, yeah, I think so. Anytime where I have seen her with a guest host like Anderson Cooper or the guy from Survivor, she seems to be just thrilled. So you agree with me? He's the Bobby Bowden because they they definitely do have to start thinking about life after Regis, and the last person who's going to think about that is Regis. <laughs> I said keep him, keep him. If 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 he can still, you do don't it. even watch. If you really believe these things, you would be watching. Well, I can't because of the commute. You TiVo. You TiVo all the other well, shows you watch. Yeah, but TiVo morning talk Thank show? You. Thank you. Just say it's not worth <laughs> it and move on. I got a lot of other stuff I'm TiVoing. Uh, let me grab my intern here who uh, uh, we had uncomfortable moments with uh, this morning. And, of course, uh, I'm talking about our own Scotty Too Hotty. Now, Scotty is uh, a young gentleman... Of a mixed race. And when I was standing there this morning, Scotty, as we were waiting to uh, replace everybody from the ONA show here in the studio, a couple of black remarks were made. Yes, sir. That people didn't know that you were black. Yeah, I was in the center of attention. I wasn't the one speaking, yet everybody was looking at me. Well, That's only I like... looked over and started laughing and yeah. enjoying the fact. Just pointing, yeah. winking. Well, then I pointed out to the people, and I don't want to say who the affiliated members were. But obviously there was some black jokes being done. And then I pointed over and said that, you know, Scotty was black or half black or whatever. I don't know. I don't know how it's actually pointed out. But uh, it didn't even seem like those people believed it. Like, yeah, uh, good one. It didn't phase them. Oh, that's a funny <laughs> one. Look at this guy. So you have to hear a lot of those kind of things in your life. Yeah. Um, I got some stuff for Dave today, and he says you're obviously... He made some black jokes against me. What was that? What was the black joke? Well, I decided mm -hmm. because Dave <laughs> is decided he wants to flip again, and I got him a Saints hat just because I oh, thought it very was nice. very nice, considering he wants to He's now a big Saints uh, fan. be a member mm -hmm. of the Saints fan. And he right. goes, 
Nice taste, Scotty. Obviously, the black in you picked this hat out. <laughs> well, what's wrong? Because put, put the hat on, he Dave. feels it's, it's a little urban. It's, it's a little flashy. Urban. It's urban for my taste. I, I thought, you know, if I get a Saints hat, usually it would be just black with yellow. But those are, the, those are the colors. That's the official if, hat. That, if it was urban... The insignia here would be bigger. It'd be sideways, and the ha- the brim wouldn't be curved. It'd be a straight. I'm not brim. trying to be racist, but the hat looks black to me. It just is. They like use a- black in their logo, Dave. That's no, why. No, you know what I mean. It's not the kind of it, white people tend to have simpler tastes, and this is a little flashy. This is a little colorful. Here's what I want you to do. I want all your clothes to match that hat. <laughs> Why? It's impossible to do. There's like ten by, different colors. By in the way, hat. you gotta you gotta uh, point out the black people when you get the chance with that half of your family. That matching doesn't mean wearing the same exact same color. exact color. <laughs> the shoes, the hat, the pants, <laughs> and they always say, "I'm matching." <laughs> oh, here's a great fucking story for you. Last, and I forgot all about this. I go wandering out of here last night. I forget. But it was dark out by the time I left. It was extra late night for me. I bump in on the street, Earl. <laughs> who was just oddly looping around, kind of uh, waiting for me, right? So I'm like, whoa, Earl, and, you know, how you doing? But it didn't dawn on me yet that he was waiting for me. Did you see him, or did you just kind of bump into him and oh, didn't notice Oh, my him? God, that's <laughs> reverse racism and self-hate. Um, so basically, he said, I was up on 57th Street doing some paperwork. And I'm like... Um, uh, really? What kind of paperwork? Because I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> Takes a while. Finally, do, are you guys uh, familiar with the autograph place on 57th? I think it's called, like, Gotta yeah. Have It or something. Uh-huh. And they always have a Sinatra in the windows. Yes. Yeah. And then, and then even weird stuff like an FDR or a Babe Ruth. Definitely. Just really, uh, there was uh, a signed Julius Caesar knife in there the other day. I, I don't even think it's real. <laughs> But I'm like, oh, what were you doing? Oh, I was just getting rid of some stuff. Really? What stuff? Finally, it comes down to Ron, uh, Ron Wood drawings that were signed. And I go, he gave them to you? Well, but I'm going through it. It sounds like something he took from any W. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely stole it. Hanging around with Ron Wood? That Ron he Wood does sketches? So... Uh, and this is in, uh, it's going to be put up on auction. It's not just <laughs> like I went in and sold it to him. It's an auction that's going to take place. Now, anybody who's familiar with Ron Wood knows he's a pretty terrific uh, artist. Uh, the drawings that he's done of uh, the other members of the Stone, the John Belushi is incredibly mm-hmm. famous, fucked up John Belushi picture. So, you know, it's worth a little something. And I felt oddly proud of Earl for stealing from that place. <laughs> well, I like guys that steal from work. Why is there, I, I'm trying to understand my role. Why is everybody looking at me again? Am I the black correspondent for the Ron and Fez show? Well, on, we don't have Earl or Franklin here <laughs> so today. And I like to consider I have two and a half black buddies. <laughs> so you're down to my half uh, I'm one. glad. So Earl's not only a thief, he's also a fence. No, the the fence would be the place. The place is going to sell it for Earl. Oh, okay. They're going to take a percentage... And all Earl did was get the paperwork signed. Yeah. But when I did start pushing, and he's like, I go, really? Where'd you get it from? Well, that was in my closet for 13 years. Where did you get it from before then? <laughs> yeah, you stole it. Yeah. Like it came yeah. with the apartment. I, I like to steal coffee from, from this place because we have a coffee machine yeah. that takes the exact brand of coffee, like the, the, uh, the no-filtered thing. It's amazing. So I've taken a couple boxes. 
my office supply thieving has been cut down drastically because here they are just locked up, and I believe there is a 24-hour armed guard. You need to have approval to go get pens around here. Well, the old place, I used to steal a lot of stuff. Um, I stole an alarm clock. I stole a musical book. Um, I stole a pair of glasses. Porn. Be careful Porn. with some of the things that you said that we're stealing. Um, oh, yeah. I, mean, I, I, I think the reason why you could do that and do that comfortably is stealing from a large corporation or stealing from the government is not stealing. <laughs> no one has ever says, I feel like I'm stealing something. It just feels like it's a perk or benefit of working. Yeah. But I used it, to work for uh, BMW. Yeah. And uh, on Friday nights, if there, if that, if I looked at the service order and that car wasn't getting picked up till Monday, I had a nice car for the weekend. Pick yeah. up a lady, go out, and that was just a benefit of the job. Most people don't want to believe that. It's almost like thinking that your kid's getting molested. <laughs> There's something awful about someone driving, joyriding around in your car. <laughs> it just makes you sick to your stomach. The Ferris Bueller scene. But let me ask you this. If you worked for a small business, would you steal? Does it have to be a large corporation? I think I would still steal office supplies. I would, I would definitely still take Why? that Why? Really? Because I feel like I'm using them for the business. But when you're in a small business, you really feel that you're a tight, tighter-knit community. You feel like you're really in the uh, the trenches with the rest of the guys. So it's interesting you would, you would think that you're still uh, privy to take items from I them. I would still steal. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that's not good. Uh, if, you, if you really feel like you're using it for the business, why don't you tell them? Because I know that, because then you run into red tape, and you're going to get told no. Yeah, that's, red tape is not, a no is not red tape. I'd steal the tape, I don't care. <laughs> you, you can't, red tape would mean, oh, we're going to take a while, and you need to fill this out, and that, yeah. that's red tape. No means, no, that's stealing. <laughs> if you want stuff for home, you should have it for home. Why, why won't you get your home supplies? I know you got money. Yeah, it's just easier to grab, because what happens is I'll run out at home, mm -hmm. easier to grab here than to either take a walk to the Staples or Office Depot or order it online and wait for it to be delivered. It's just convenience stealing. Hmm. I guess that's you can get away with that, but I, I've had a couple nights here where I've been here at 7, 38 o'clock, and I've taken people's food out of the fridge. And that's, yeah, you're a food stealer. Yeah, because I get very hungry. And I don't want to pay for food. Now, uh, speaking of which, who's down there today? I saw they're having, setting up heavy security. Oh, we'll go find out. And much better TV cameras than we get for Unmasked. Really? I'll find, we'll find Way out. Way better. I mean, you go down there, it looks like a fucking TV shoot today. Jesus. Yeah, they have, they're setting up lighting. So. Yeah, all this stuff that we, that we should be doing on Unmasked for those things. Right in the fishbowl. I'll check that out. Report yeah. Back. Find out. I want to notice. All right. Do it without anybody catching you and get some extra stuff. See if there's food to take. Because Dave is also over there yeah, for well, any of the people that bring food. He food acts like this is and, a great and show. And beer. If they have beer, me and Pepper usually get our groove on. Well, when we first moved into this building, I had heard a story. I could never confirm it. That someone had just been let go for trying to take a case of the free soda home. Oh, Jesus. Mark in New York. You're <laughs> on Fez. Hey, yo, what's up, man? Mm. Uh, I, I used to grew up in California. Uh, Southern California, and we, I used to work for a major retail outlet, a uh, big, huge, like $5 million store, and at the end of the night, when the managers would take their, their drawers to the back to go count them, 
I mean, my buddy would go grab, double, you know, the duffel bags that we sold and fill them up with shoes and clothes, <laughs> whatever. We did that like three or four times a week. Yeah. Yeah, man. People, yeah, people do fucking steal. But I think there's something really wrong about stealing from a, uh, like a mom and pop thing if you work for a small business. And I would never steal from a restaurant or a bar, and I've worked at several. I never felt the need to steal from them. That's funny, because when I was in the club business, all those fuckers stole all the time. Yeah, I think that's why I didn't want to steal, because I was like, if everyone steals, then we're not going to have any jobs. The restaurant's going to close. That happens to a lot of places. <laughs> you like to call it, you bust them out. <laughs> Jack, in Maine, you're in front of Fez. I used to drive a beer truck, and uh, I used to sell the beer right off the truck to people walking by or customers under the table or whatnot. That's good. That's kind of like a good fellas type deal. I think everybody likes to steal from trains. <laughs> Anytime there's... there's, a, 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 Did you ever steal from trains when you were a kid? Yeah, definitely. Beer? beer? Oh, yeah. Always be beer off fucking trains. That would be the most exciting Jesse James moment of your life. <laughs> and there was cases of wine where we lived that we would always get our hands on. And those fucking... Um, those guys will fucking kill you. Those guys that are fucking guarding those trains. Yeah, remember Into the Wild? How fucked up that guy got? Yeah. Uh, what do you got for us, bro? Who is it? That would be Mr. Mel Carmazan is going to be doing an interview with Public Service Television in the fishbowl. So they're and, bringing out all the stops. Any food? No. Nothing. There has to be, Scotty. Come on. They have nothing set up. They, they must be hiding it for, uh, for when he gets there. Because there's nothing set up. No tables, no nothing. Maybe he'd like a nice snack for himself. How about a Klondike bar, at least? Wh who's the TV service? Public Service Television. Mm. PBS. Yeah. PBS. <laughs> I'm not sure if those initials lined up with what he said, but... P.S. I don't know. We still have... I, I, don't, I don't trust food. We still have Oprah's Cracker right by your computer upstairs. It's growing mold. She doesn't mm. even have a show anymore, and we still hold her cracker, so... Well, she's got her own network, and it's even better, in my Good opinion. Point. Mike in Baltimore. Yeah, hey, Ronnie, I'm a commercial diver. I steal from work when they steal from me. Like, I get shorted out of notes. overtime. I don't get my prevailing wage, don't get my per diem right. You know, I'll steal some tools, something of equal or greater value, just to get them back, you know? Yeah, people always feel that way. Uh, Anthony in Arizona, you're on Fez. Hey, you, buddy? Yeah. Uh, I must have. I used to work at like a carnival, and I actually learned little magic tricks where I could like make the money disappear into my sleeve and stuff with little like rubber bands and stuff. And well, you would do that to your own people that were hired you? No, nah, you know it was like a it was like a county fair, and it was just a bunch of just a bunch of scumbags around. A bunch of, well, of course you're gonna be scumbags, but if you're with it, you're with it. Uh, I have no fucking problem taking fucking money off the marks. Fuck them for the way they came in. They get whatever with changes coming back to them. Yeah. Well, uh, Tony in Brooklyn, you're on a fez. Hey, uh, Ronnie, I just want to tell you something. Dave, you are an unappreciative Devon. Every time someone gives you something, you have a problem with it. What are you talking about? You're a Devon, Dave. What are you talking about? Devon. Be specific. Like, oh, I don't like the say that. The say hat's too, like it's, it's, it's too flashy. It's not my taste. Yeah, you know what, though? Everybody, you're, you're a Gavone. You give away stuff, you know, and you're a mooch, you're a Gavone. I guess he, he had a little calendar today that said Gavone on it. Word of the day. That was his little Today's thing. word of the day is Gavone. <laughs> I heard it seven times. Remember that later for the Twitter contest. 866-RUNS-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RUNS-ZERO-FEZ. Driver, which used to stay at work? 
Hey, Ronnie, uh, yeah. I used to drive record down on the Mexican border, and every time I'd go pick up a, a load vehicle for the DEA or Border Patrol, I'd steal dope out of it. Oh, uh, there's no way I wouldn't steal dope constantly if I was a cop. Nah, I wasn't a cop. If I was a fucking <laughs> cop, I'd be letting everybody go away with a warning. But not their fucking weed, and also not their cash. Another you know, trip to the evidence room. Actually, if I was a cop, I'd take my fucking gun out, stick it up to my head, and pull the trigger. <laughs> my last words would be, Mom, sorry I shamed you. <laughs> I mean, you didn't have to join the force in the first place. It makes sense to join the force and then you could kill yourself. But that's another thing no one ever brings up with a Jesse Ventura, right? Just because you weren't a cop doesn't mean that you can't have any thoughts on law and order. Right. Yeah, I, I do. And I don't even fucking get into the respect to troops thing. You know what fucking troops I'll really respect? Draft at once. Guys who didn't want to go and they were forced to. <laughs> they get your respect. But somebody who says, hey, I want to make a, a career out of the military. Okay. It's like fucking a fireman or fucking anybody else. Right. The people at West Point last night yeah. in the Obama thing, they they dressed like Star Trek. What well, that is Star out Trek. Outfits with those last I mean, they're, night. They're, yeah, they're, they are. They're Star Trek. Maybe it was Starfleet. <laughs> it was ridiculous. It's time to fucking tone it down a little bit. Talk about urban look. Mike in Columbus, you're on a fest. No one was. Only you hey, were. How's it going, guys? <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, I just had to start laughing a little bit. Um, I've been a teacher and a coach uh, for several years, and I uh, have moved around like most coaches do. Uh, and I was in my storage unit the other day, and I looked. I bet I got 20 fucking staplers and uh, notepads and pens and shit enough to fly a small town. <laughs> I just wanted to say I got the same little things uh, Fez does. Sure. You steal. That's a great thing for you to be coaching the kids. <laughs> kids, take my event, uh, thing. I steal. I like to steal just ten, you know, things that you need for your house, like duct tape. But I'm not going to steal twenty staples. You know what staples I need? Staples at home. You know what I need for my house? What? Cash. Or cashola. <laughs> I don't I think like there's to any. Take money. They don't leave any cash laying around here. Oh, there's some up in our office. Bill in South Carolina, you're my fez. It's mine. Hey, Ronnie. I used to do two things when I was younger. I worked at a full-service gas station. And, uh, like, if somebody came in with a flat tire, all you had really invested in it was your time. And I'd stick that money in my pocket. And they had the oil. Remember in the cans? They used to have to stick the spout down in the can? Sure. Well, I used to keep an empty one there. And I'd tell people when they come to the full-service, they were a quart low. Then I'd put that empty can in their motor and they'd just stand there and wait for a few minutes. They'd give me that 4 or $5. I'd stick that in my pocket, too, you know? But it's not like you would leave them low. You would just fucking, you you would just make sure that you faked them out. Yeah, yeah, they weren't low on oil at all. But yeah, you weren't right. destroying engines for your four or five bucks. <laughs> no, no, right? Yeah, they they didn't need any oil. No, it's a good gimmick. I like that one a lot. Well, they left yeah. feeling good about their automobile and everything and traveling again. Take it easy. Oh, Have yeah. a good time in Rubeville. Is what you yell as they're fucking pulling away. <laughs> I think my dad used to take his car there. What's your problem with your dad again today? No, it's just he's always he was always complaining about getting ripped off at the mechanics. But you always let off the thing like your dad wasn't a real man. It <laughs> fucking comes out little by little every day. I'm just saying. You're somehow ashamed of your father. Oh, no, no, no. Who but was I actually mean, a great man. He's good. He's good. What, he's do a, I have to hear that he went to the Peace Corps again? Yeah, uh, he went who, to the Peace Corps. All right, with the Lions already. And the fucking, I saw, I, 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 I dream of still going back there to see the Lions on, in, when it's sunset. He tells us that all the time. 
I say you don't go to Ireland. Skip Ireland. Go to Africa. The difference is this: your dad did something with his life. That's the difference between him and you. It's like he's rubbing peace corn in my face. You know, it's better it's like, than his penis. You could still join. Why don't you just yell out? Yeah, it's better than his penis. Why don't you just yell out to yourself? Well, I know I've eaten your cum. Listen, after nine eleven, I got a pamphlet at the Marine headquarters in Red Bank. So I felt like I was kind of being a man then. Mm. Then again, you know, when the guy came around and said, <laughs> you know, are you interested? I, I said, no, I, I rethought this whole thing. Justin in California. Hey, morning, buddies. Hey, this, uh, this theft at work thing, you know, I've kind of uh, had pretty interesting experience with it. When I first uh, took over running the company I'm presently running, we had quite a bit of problems with uh, fuel theft out of bulk tanks going in personal cars, stuff like that. And you know what I did is instead of wasting all my time with log books and having guys read meters, I just did away with all of it and said, hey, look, I'm running a multi-million dollar company. You steal five gallons to run your lawnmower at home. I don't give a shit. But if I catch you honest to God stealing, stealing, I'm going to run you out of here and press charges. And just, you know what? And it went down like 60% just off of being straight with them. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, all you got to do is know that you're being watched. That's all you got to say is the guys. You're being fucking watched. <laughs> the worst thing in the world. Uh, you know, if back in the day, if I used to owe any fucking money to people and they were like, where's that fucking thing for that thing? I'd be like this. All right. I'm definitely getting it to you, but I'm being watched right now. And I think my fucking phone's tapped. I'd, I'd get a little nice little extra 30, 40 days. <laughs> There'd be a little fucking leeway. They come up. Hey, I got to get that money. I'd be like, shh, don't fucking not here. <laughs> we're fucking alone. We think we're alone. Get the fuck out of here. Saving you. Whatever you got to do, stay away from me right now. Uh, Derek in Louisiana, you're on Run of Fez. Ron, uh, I talked to you earlier, and uh, thank you for crossing the line. It was a military comment. You, you talked to me today? Yeah. Yeah, well, don't call back. Call once a day, tops. Uh, Death Metal Mo, you're on the Ron and Fez show. Gentlemen, great to hear you as always. 9170 checking in today. I'm going to give you this. Hoo-ah! 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 Thank you, buddy. Ooh. Hoo-ah! Ooh, I'm sorry. Let me just... I'm sorry, let me put down my sharp cheddar here. Fucking starving. Why don't we have any cheese ever? Got mm. back to work, it sounds like. Sounds like it. Uh, just real quick, I worked uh, produce at a supermarket near me and uh, I ended up stealing a lot of fresh fruits and vegetables which worked out really well because I lost like 30 pounds eating like good stuff but then uh, <laughs> then I realized that we stocked the candy and I gained it all back <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you can work anywhere it's like if you fucking worked at a bar obviously you're going to be drinking every night I, I was for two years I every worked, night I worked at a grill at our college campus uh, when I was in women's college and would just go home with as much beer as I could carry. And ice cream sandwiches. You know, uh, Mo, yes. uh, we're the last people to tell you happy birthday. Oh, gentlemen, thank you very much. But it doesn't mean that we mean it any less. That's cool, man. You guys got shit to do. Not really. Oh, well just then, I appreciate it anyway. Waste thank some time. Much. Talk to you later, my man. <laughs> Here's our friend Newsday, Laura. Laura? Hi, buddy. How's the big party coming along? It's not my party. It's everyone's party. But you were putting it together. Well, I just picked a date and time. I didn't realize that it coincided. Why do you want to do away with responsibility? If this goes great, bask in it. If it goes awful, it's all your fault. <laughs> I really 
don't want anything to do with the party. I just picked a date and time. Mm. So it's your party then. <laughs> now I'm coming. I definitely want to make the party. What time are Coke Logic and Fred Brooklyn getting there? Probably around eight. Oh jeez. And I better get there at eight forty-five. <laughs> It'll make that Norton Ventura thing like small potatoes. Who? What? Where? Uh, yeah. Where's the big party at, Newsday, Laura? When? Go ahead and plug away. Uh, it's at F.H. Riley's in Huntington Village on uh, Long Island. Mm. It's the finest restaurant in Long Island, by far. I like to say it's the only five-star restaurant in Long Island, but I don't know that for a fact. I think it is. It's just the only one I've ever been to. I've been there over four times. I'm it's sure awesome. there's got to be some great restaurants in the Hamptons. No. Too far. <laughs> Not going out there. No. <laughs> Laura's party is coming up soon, and we're all excited about it. <laughs> Laura, will there be karaoke? Um, I don't know. Uh, I can I can talk to Brett about that. Uh, Maybe I, that I, would be fun. Well, if there is, I can't come because <laughs> that's the way. Uh huh. Uh huh. I, I like it. it. Uh huh. Oh, uh -huh. Awesome. Come I on, everybody. It. Yeah. That's the way, uh-huh, uh -huh. Let's get Fez to sing this with us. That's the way, uh-huh, uh-huh, I like it. What are you screaming about? He just hates music. Oh, I love, me singing. I love karaoke. I give you my Sam Cooke. Everyone has a great time. And the date on Laura Palooza is December 12th? December 12th. Why don't we call it Laura Palooza? <laughs> No, I, I won't be singing karaoke. I was only kid. Don't make Brent do anything. Actually, by the way, uh, the next time you talk to him, just tell him I think that his place is unbelievable. Just fabulous food. I will. Yeah. Great mac and cheese too. Fantastic mac and cheese. Fabu. It should be brought up more. Should be brought up more. What is it? Fabu. Fabu. You're making fun of just John's thing. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> What is it, Laura? You had something you wanted to say to us. What are you stealing from the party? Is that it? <laughs> no. No, I wanted to say that back in high school we worked at a movie theater and there were two ways to steal money from the movie theater. And uh, the first way is the person working the ticket booth and the person working, you know, tearing the tickets would work together. Um, and the person in the booth would sell child's tickets to adults. And so you would take the half of the money and pocket it and then split it with the person at the end of the shift. Uh-huh. And then the other way, and this is really gross, this is why I don't like to eat at movie theaters, is one of the ways our manager um, determined um, how much sales, uh, pardon me, how many sales you did was by money in the register and how many cups and bags were sold for popcorn and soda. Right. So at the, at the end of every movie, we would go through the theater and look for cups and bags and then refill them. <laughs> That's disgusting. Holy shit. That wow. really annoys me. That you're getting dirty so cups. You would sell the cups back to the people and pocket the cash. Uh, by the way, I love uh, to hear about anybody's fucking gimmicks. Anytime. Every business has a way to steal, and it's fabulous. All right. Uh, Newsday, uh, Laura Fezzi. With her big party called... Laura Palooza. Mm. Coming up December 12th at F.H. Riley's, Huntington Village, Long Island. Get there early for the good cups. Laura's going to be <laughs> working it. I love you guys. I'll talk to you uh, later. And Laura, look into something. I haven't seen Pat from Monaki on Cake Boss. So oh, I didn't see him either. I didn't know what he was talking about. Supposedly he did Cake Boss last night, right? Uh, where yeah. He ate a large amount of cake <laughs> on Cake Boss. So anyone who can get video for that, send it to me at ronandfezdaywell.com or 
uh, of course, uh, 202 Friends. Bye, Laura. Bye, guys. She's nice, though. She was so, nice to put that party together. Let's go through all the parties that are happening on the same night. What do we have? All right. Well, we just heard from Laura and Laura Palooza at F.H. Riley's. Same night, December 12th. Then there's the RonFez.net party uh, downtown in Manhattan on December 12th. And then there's GVAC's Rogue Renegade party. He's going rogue Where's on December that? 12th. That is at the Crow's Nest on the Upper East Side. Here's the problem. That's my neighborhood. So if I could only pick one of those, why well, wouldn't I want to pick the fabulous Upper East Side of Manhattan? Although, every year i got to be with Mikey Boy. And then three, Laura Palooza. Who doesn't want to be there? Now i got another problem. What's that? Baby girl throwing a party the same night. Oh, my God. Wow. So we're now up to four. Uh, baby girl's in charge of everything. Actually, she wants me to help. I mean, I, I got her on the phone right now. Um, baby girl, how's everything going with the party? I'm trying to get a band. All right, well, that'd be nice. I guess we could have, like, a, a Christmas uh, thing. How do I get back to you? Hi, this is baby girl. Leave a message. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, just do me a favor. Get this party stuff together, and then tell me what we're going to be doing. How can I help, Ron? Well, you're not going to be just helping, but do what you normally do. Well, that'll be fun. That'll that'll be nice uh, entertainment. But keep on working on. I've done my part. Oh. Time for Ron to do his. Well, I'm doing everything I can. Can I sit on your lap? Well, sure. I guess you can. Uh oh. What? Forgot to use a condom. Oh. Again. Well, why don't you just plug the party, please? Please come to the party, everyone. All right. Tom again. Please come to the party, everyone. I don't know where it's uh, going to be, but hopefully. It'll be a lot of fun for everyone. It should be a lot of fun. I'm trying to get a band. You mentioned that earlier. You mentioned that earlier. Four parties in the same night. You got Baby Girl's party. Mm-hmm. You got uh, Lara's party. The unattended, I guess. Uh, there's no one at the at the head of RonFez.net anymore, correct? Correct. Yeah. There's no one running RonFez.net? Rudderless? I think so. And then you got the Rogue Party. Led by uh, Javak. Mm. It's insane. Really? Maybe someone could have gotten to all three. Spy report. I'm sorry, Fuzzy. Spy report. Uh, Bill, what's your spy report? A big ass 2097 at Bob, my What do you say, man? Uh, the city of Philadelphia, we're in a giving mood. Uh, we have Michael Vick, and now we have the return of one Allen Iverson, signed oh. with the Sixers. Why did he ever leave? When you really look back on it, was there any reason to leave? Great deal, and a great job by the Sixers. Because I, no one wanted to see AI go out like that, just kind of being a bench player for the Grizzlies, the fucking Grizzlies, and it was very sad. So I'm glad he's going to return back to Philly. Go when back to Philly. Yeah. Shoot, and he'll 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 get that team into the playoffs. Mark my words, I I'm, I'll I'll get a 76ers jersey. He will get them into the playoffs. Not only mark my words, but Mark McGuire. Mark McGuire, that shit. Go that far. Seventy home runs, nineteen ninety eight. Look it up. <laughs> I did. Also, that's fucking funny. Thing to say. <laughs> I Iverson. Um, here's the cool thing about it. On Monday, they're they're going to face off against the um, Denver Nuggets, who was AI's, you know, one of his former teams. How can I help, Ron? Well, you don't have to do anything. We already talked about it. The tits are coming out. I can't wait for that. That should be fun. I haven't seen him for... I haven't seen Baby Girl since we moved 
from one place to the other. No one has. She's in some sort of Bin Laden cave, for what I hear. Well, everybody is cut off from each other. Yeah. I know, it's true. Everyone was yeah. able to see each other on 57th. Everybody was able to hang out, have fun. Everything was a great time. Yeah, you could even you could smoke outside that building, too, yeah. and, and not get hassled. Me and Pepper get hassled every day. We we now have to cross the street, and basically they're, we're going to be smoking on 50th Street. So. Just cross the street. Don't fucking have anything to do with these animals. How come you never walk down in the square where I have my cigar? That's something we should think about. <laughs> <laughs> it's very nice we're over stupid. there. You're able to see life go by. It's all you, decorated now. You guys fucking have a problem with walking 18 feet. I know. Well, it's more like we're the mouse who doesn't understand the maze, how it works. Because we think, well, today they're not going to say anything. And they do every day. Yeah, well, that makes you fucking stupid. <laughs> well, yeah, we don't, don't want, learn. I don't want your stupid rubbing off on this fucking kid. <laughs> Talk about. I'm very I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to fucking deal with it. All right. We'll go into the square from now on. Here's Jim in Indiana. You're on running Fez. Yeah, the biggest scam out there are these truckers that uh, run up and down the road. They get in the back of their trucks. They get freight. They uh, get to a truck stop. They advertise on the CB that they're selling stuff, and uh, that's how they make some money. What kind of stuff are they selling? Uh, electric drills, tools, that kind of stuff. How cheap would they sell an electric drill? Oh, 30, 30 bucks. I might go Christmas. You, you, you can bargain these guys down. Yeah, oh. I might go Christmas shopping for my mom and dad this year on the road. Just stop I'll at a truck one, stop. I'll bring it to you. Uh, beautiful. <laughs> Thanks, my friend. Your delivery's there. I'll fucking jump in that truck like Joe Pesci. <laughs> <laughs> you believe this? Just stole my truck. <laughs> what was that guy's name that did that one line? He was Voss's friend. Well, we know him for years. Right, I can't think of his name. He was, was he a comedian? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. And uh, he was, you know, crazy. But he just had that one line. In the, by the way, he fucking went in to the audition, all decked out in a suit, pinky rings, gun, slammed it on the table, bunch of cash, starts pushing around fucking Scorsese. And, you know, Scorsese thought was so funny, he gave him the one little thing. But he's a buddy of Voss's, and the fucking funniest thing about that is, uh, Voss said that he that he improved that line. <laughs> it was never in the fucking script at all. Scorsese must love um, stand-ups because why wouldn't he? He he also you know with Don Rickles and, and Alan King were in Don Casino. Don Rickles is fucking unbelievable. In Casino, he's a fantastic, and Alan King was great in Casino too. Okay. Alan King is fucking... Did you ever see Arthur Arthur? He fucking yeah. stole that from Pacino. Uh, absolutely. He'll be saying, Arthur! Arthur! Yeah, Pacino was hacky in that movie, and his kids in that movie really pissed me off. But that fucking movie is on constantly. That and um, Being with you is like being with milk and cookies. <laughs> it's like the Brady Bunch without Pacino. I kind of pinpoint that was the movie that, that turned him into the Al Pacino caricature it was either that or the his his courtroom drama what about the ebola monkey movie what was the courtroom no i don't what did the courtroom drama oh well and justice for all that was before that yeah. was after arthur arthur right that was before okay then arthur arthur was like an 80s thing okay then and justice for all is where pacino oh you know who else is in crazy. arthur arthur uh, playing a gay guy is uh, belzer Oh, yeah. For no apparent reason. He's like, all right, everyone. 
Take five. Be back here. And you're like, is there any reason for him to be gay? Does he think he's got a bigger part than this? Come on, everyone. Got your dicks out of here. That's such a weird movie. Yeah, it was nuts. <laughs> and fucking Injustice for All is just well, terrible. Peter Boyle. Remember the Coxwinkle character from that? Yeah. Uh, Larry Coxwinkle, yeah, yeah. who stole his wife. Did you ever see Looking for Richard? Of course. Well, that Coxwinkle was his best friend in Looking for Richard, his co-producer. Oh, I didn't even put those two together. I love yeah. that guy in Looking for Richard. Me too. So not too long ago, I see Looking for Richard, and I'm like, this guy's so hysterical. Yeah, he's awesome. I got to get him on the show. Uh, I go look at him up. He just died not that long ago. Oh, Jesus Christ. And I, we could have Larry Coxwinkle on the fucking show. I, what was the, his name was what was his name uh, I don't know it comes up constantly looking for Richard he is he's the highlight of that movie he's I agree so great he's the comic relief of that I, whole I entire own that film. movie I, I worship that movie and I think that movie should be given to every high school in America I think a lot of them get it not see I thought you were one of the people who hate it later day Oh no 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 no! I'm a Pacino <laughs> fan. I um I kind of question a lot of De Niro stuff. I think Pacino can still give you something every once in a while. The HBO thing, Insomnia, those are good movies. Mm. When he's not screaming, that's the key. He it, when when he's screaming, yeah, it's going to be stupid. Find out what his real name is. He fucking brings it up constantly in that movie. Um um, Kimball. No, that isn't. Why would it be Kimball? Steven Singer Jewelers. I hate Steven Singer. Well, the website is IHateStevenSinger.com. It's the place to go for your holiday jewelry needs. If you're a guy and you're looking for something for the girlfriend or the wife and you don't know what to choose, make it easy on yourself. Don't put yourself through the headache of going to some snobby mall jewelry store. Go to Steven Singer Jewelers. And he's got a good point there, too, because with jewelry, you don't have to find out whether it fits. And if she goes, uh, I don't like this, you gotta be, you got to be kidding me. You know, like a diamond? <laughs> then you can't be pleased. You can shop in Philadelphia at Steven Singer Jewelers or online at IHateStevenSinger.com. They've got the black diamonds. They were the very first to introduce those. Great Christmas gift, whether it's earrings, a ring, a pendant, whatever. The black diamonds, you want to check those out at IHateStevenSinger.com. And you're going to enjoy yourself while you're jewelry shopping. You can go in there. You can sit down. You can. They got cookies. They got popcorn. You can have a cold beer while you're waiting at Steven Singer Jewelers. Steven Singer Jewelers, they also have a lifetime guarantee and free shipping. Plus, uh, their customer service blows away any other jewelry business in the country. The absolute best customer service and cutting-edge jewelry. Steven Singer Jewelers and IHateStevenSinger.com. This is the guy you can trust. The perfect gift at affordable prices for the holidays. Go to IHateStevenSinger.com or if you're in Philly, the corner of 8th and Walnut for Steven Singer Jewelers. And if you go there, don't bring up the World Series. Okay. Or Mike Vick. Or AI coming back. Oh, well, that's good news, I thought. Here's things you can bring up. Okay. Dave Schultz and Bobby Clark. Okay. Let's get that out of the way. Those two. You got that guy's name? Yeah, Frederick Kimball. Frederick Kimball. His writing credits also included uh, Author, Author, and Justice for All, and Dick Tracy. No, he is he the right? Let me see the picture. This is writing credits. Yeah, it's, it's, this is the guy, Fre uh, Frederick Kimball. Did he keep calling him Frederick? Yeah, Frederick. Frederick. And he goes, he is best known for his role opposite Pacino in the 96 film Looking for Richard, which was partly written by the pair. 
And then the rest of the stuff is what you said. It was all made up. It wasn't even improv. Well, some of it was improv, but, you know, they had to have a storyline as well. I think he was a playwright. I think he was a playwright for a while. It says writer, producer, and actor. That's what I like to be. That way I wear three different hats. <laughs> and I could be like this. Dave, this isn't me talking to you. It's the producer. <laughs> You're out. Oh, Jesus. Um, it says he formed the Theater Company of Boston, which was became the home to many young actors, including Dustin Hoffman, John Voight, and Robert De Niro. See, that's the, that should be the people I'm hanging out with He now. was like a real, like, acting mentor. Hmm. You know, but and he, I'm not? <laughs> I guess I'm not. I really aren't. I gotta take a break here. We gotta catch up with everything. Run face show. It's a girl I knew sent me a book. Called the secret. Do you know what this bitch says? The secret of life is? She said it was positive imagery. Bitch, fly to Africa and telling them starving children that shit. What you need to do is visualize some roast beef and some mashed potatoes and gravy. Oh, please, bitch, you're killing me. Stop talking like that. No, 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 no. The problem is you have a bad attitude about starving to death. <laughs> Ron Fez Show. Big tree lighting night at the uh, 30 Rock. Are you going to be there, huh, Fez? Yep, I'm going to head to uh, Rockefeller Center for the tree lighting just before 9 o'clock tonight. Is it that late? Yeah, because they do the TV special with it now. So they try to get like an hour or two of TV time out of it and then make a big deal for it. They light it right before they go off the air. I thought that that TV special used to be like seven, though. Is it? You mean it's a national show now? What happens is, is they start, and I think an hour early in New York, and they have a, like an hour beforehand, and then they join the network show, the NBC, the NBC show, which goes out to the nation. For some reason, I always remember that being an early show. I remember locally, it used to just be seven thirty to eight, and then by like seven fifty nine, they would uh, to put you know turn the tree on. It used to only be a half an hour in New York. So that was going way back, but now they, you know, they have musical acts and stuff like that. Well, that should be good. Uh, by the way, new picture out. It's a whole movie showing Marilyn Monroe smoking weed about fifty years ago. So it's just some guy who goes in his closet, he finds this whole movie. There's fucking Marilyn Monroe just fucking hitting on a, on a fucking joint, enjoying herself. If she already wasn't, like, the sexiest woman in the history of the world... I don't think anybody comes close, do they? No, this makes her... Maybe Helen of Troy... If Is I she the all-time American sex symbol? Oh, uh, yeah. Mm, good. It, it, for, for a chick, I mean... Yeah, for a chick. Well, I think Liz Taylor, yeah. or young Liz Taylor, would give her a fight. Now you sound gay. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. <laughs> 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, Time Magazine... Uh, calls this decade, the decade that we've never named, I guess, some kind of zero, zero, zero decade, uh, of course, worst decade ever. Worst decade ever. We had the 9-11s. Uh, we had the two uh, fucking meltdowns of money, financial meltdowns. And, of course, we had the big Katrina that we never come uh, compared about worst decade ever. 
See, I think the 60s would compete there. You're bogged down in a war like this decade, but uh, a bloodier war, I think. And But you also had three assassinations. That's got to beat out like a hurricane. Yeah, but you also had high points in the, in the 60s. You went to the moon. Mm-hmm. You know, you had Martin Luther King. You had the civil rights thing. Did anything good happen in this decade? I would say the 30s. I mean, it's right after the Roaring Twenties, before... 30s ain't shit. And you had, like, Hoovervilles, and it was just... It, it was still very much steeped in the, in the original Depression. This, mm-hmm. is, this, oh, is, this is potatoes compared to what they did in the 30s. And Hitler on the march. Yeah, the, 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 the 30s is far worse. Well, then, if you're going by what you guys are saying, the 40s would have been the worst because the entire world was fighting and more people were dying then. So if you really looked at it by the way you're doing, but at least some of those spots had, you know, let's face it, no one, even Time Magazine, has a sense of history anymore. It was a pretty bad decade, and it was an embarrassing decade to live through. And I don't know what the hell we got to be proud of in the last <laughs> 10 years. Well, technology. I mean, I was proud of Dubai, and then fucking Hicks brings in his sad song. What about, like, iPods and shit? I, I ain't going to be over, like, proud of an iPod. It's like being proud of a blender. Oh, Twitter. Hmm. That doesn't right. work for me as much as it does for you guys. What? I know you guys like Twitter. How about the Wii? Seriously. I like this thing better than Fez is selling. <laughs> the uh, Project Natal on Xbox 360. Did we get any of those to give away? That thing is awesome. Nope. What do we got? Didn't we, they give Xbox we, give us something? We do have some Xbox games. Uh, Forza, uh, Forza, it's the new uh, racing game for uh, Xbox. Oh, I love racing games. All right, I'll take one home and play it. <laughs> So I can talk about it on the air. Yeah, it's the Forza Motorsport 3. Mm, okay. That's really, really... Uh... I would say the nineteen the, the 1900s, too. The 1902, 03, oh, 04. That was a great time. I mean, what did they do that was so good? They, they blew our shit away. Mile T? A fucking Yugo is better than the Mile T. <laughs> yeah, but at the time, they never jacked shit. That's like fucking making people for having Atari. <laughs> you, that's all you had. That's all you had to rock. I don't know. Not big into it. Um, personal, de- personal time, this decade, Fez. Good or bad? Oh, I say bad decade. For you? Yeah, yeah, bad decade. Heart attacks, ulcers, problems, you know, with family members. Bad decade. Mm. Yeah. What was your good decade? My good decade was probably the decade before. The 90s was a good decade. Mm. 90s was a great decade. I'm in Fe- on Fez's corner with that. Cinema, m- m- music. I mean... Uh, we got to do a, a, a wrap-up of the, of the decades. The best stuff. Over the Christmas break, we'll put it on. That would be awesome. <coughs> we'll do at least an hour a day, a new material. Uh, we'll do the movie, the best and worst movie. Awesome. Best and worst TV show. <coughs> I guess best and worst sports franchise. Yeah, that would be that would be great. And now I'm running out of things that matter to me. Um, Album. Yes. Um, <coughs> comedian. Mm. No. No. You know what we're all going to do. We're gonna all going to pick Norton. How about, uh, yeah, how about um, technology, like an invention? And you know why we're going to make a uh, pick Norton? Because he's excellent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what we could do is, uh, what's that best invention? 
Yeah, like invention, like like we were just saying, maybe iPod gets in there, whatever. That's too boring. Oh, let's really seriously. I don't want to do that. Scandal. Why? We got to go back to Tiger Woods again. I think it would probably be up there. Tiger Woods is all over the news still. Now XXs are jumping out at Or just news item. Biggest news item of the decade. You know? 9-11. Nothing's going to beat 9-11. That's not, that wasn't where I was going. Write down what you were going. Interesting. Something bigger than 9-11 in the news <laughs> this decade. I am really curious about this. Yeah, he's writing a book. It's a big news story. Patriots lose the Super Bowl. Is the reason why I'm not going to do it. I am not going to do it. Um, Josh, you're on Fez. Hey, what's up, guys? Yeah. Um, go back to what you said, Ronnie. Just like about having the Time Magazine not understanding the, the time in history. It's about what happened most recent. Uh, in World War II, just Americans alone... Over 400,000 Americans died in World War II. You know, it's just about what's most recent, and also, to the technology. I mean, the communications that we get back from the Afghanistan-Iraq war are hundreds of thousands of times more accurate than what we had back then. Mm. Yeah, uh, it's, it's re people have no sense of history. None at all. Uh, Tom, you're on Yes, we do have one thing to celebrate from this decade, and that would be the Mighty Sleeves, who, by the way, has a new CD out. What's the name of the new CD? It is called uh, Whisper, Pray, Make Room. And what's all on it? It's, uh, it's got songs from his new play, uh, a couple of which we've already heard, like 50 States of Confusion. But uh -huh. it's, uh, I think it's also got uh, dialogue and performance from the play as well. I looked this up for me. Would you please, uh, Dave? RadioGhost.com Sleeves is the best. Uh, Craig in Wyoming, you're on my face. Hey, Ron and Fez. This is, uh, definitely the worst decade ever, because Dickhead Dave joined the Ron and Fez show. Hmm. I mean, that was late in the decade, so you can't put the first part on me. You played those old-school replays over Thanksgiving with Ron and Happy Fez, no Dave, Christ Almighty, the good old days. We all want that to be back. I don't know whether you can blame it on Dave or not. Think you can blame it on me? They can probably blame it on me, and I want that back as well. Happy Fez. That's why I was saying this is my worst personal decade. Uh, Mark, what do you got for me, buddy? Hey guys. I think the 70s, and now again, I'm 40 years old, but I think the 70s were a horrible decade. When you think about, you know, Nixon, Vietnam, Three Mile Island, stagflation, the whole gas thing, the beginning of the movie Miracle, it just shows the culmination of the 70s. Well, if you, you know, look ending... over any 10-year period, there's going to be challenges that you have to get over. What people don't realize, if you look around at people that we consider our greatest. Anytime you're going to bring out the presidents, you're always going to get a Washington that's locked in. Uh, FDR, he's locked in in the top. Uh, Abraham Lincoln, locked in. Our greatest presidents are there at the worst of times.
For some reason, people think, oh, times are bad. I need to lay down and fucking take it in the ass. Instead of, this is fucking opportunity for me to do something fantastic. To do something great. I tried to explain this thing to uh, Fez yesterday. When uh, you brought up your happiness thing after the show. And you were saying if the shrink made you fucking happier, you would do a better show. I never knew a funny person that was fucking basically happy. I was even talking to this to somebody yesterday about the sense of humor. You know how lonely guys always get mad when they say a girl wants this fucking sense of humor? Yes. And then they, they have a sense of humor, but the girl goes and fucking picks a guy with money and then that's better luck. What does the, the term sense of humor even mean to you, Fez? It's that you have a sense of what's going to make other people laugh, a sense of what's funny. So that's the sense of humor. Yeah, I think you can sense funny moments in things that other people can't. Dave, what do you think? I would say a sense of humor is the ability to make others laugh. Mm. Um, I, don't, I don't see it as reactionary, like fed, like, see, but proactive. But see, here's the interesting thing. I think when a guy will say, oh, that girl's got a great sense of humor, I mean, she laughs at the fucking jokes. She doesn't... I, I think when a, when a lot of times when we say, oh, that person has a great sense of humor... It's because that they find life funny. Mm. Not they're constantly going around trying to get their fucking laugh, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, if you spend any fucking time with a comic, you're like, all right, enough. Give it a fuck. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> you know? Because some comics, normally the worst ones, will attempt to keep doing their fucking bit while you're trying to eat fucking dinner. You know? <laughs> and you're like, just stop for five seconds. <laughs> you know, we, we've passed humor. We're in the fucking neediness now. <laughs> You know, uh, comedically, most really great comics have a rough time at the rest of their life. Lenny Bruce, terrible at the rest of his life. Pryor, never was great anywhere but on stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, for, for some reason, I think happiness brings on fucking humor. I don't get it that at all. I think when women say they want a guy with a sense of humor... They want a fucking guy that if she burns the dinner, they laugh and order a pizza and eat in bed with fucking candlelight. Then they're like, he's great. <laughs> we think, uh, hey, she doesn't like my sense of humor. I told her how fat she was and now she's mad at me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, people are fucking lost. Particularly, we talk about the lonely guy thing quite a bit. Here's a, here's a, a fucking piece. Well, Dave, you brought this to my attention. You said it's a scientific study. Yeah, there was a study that was uh, uh, shown where they say loneliness is actually contagious. And it says the study suggests those with a negative vibe spread it merely by being in regular contact with that person. Right. So you can, like, put your... You, you could be so lonely, you could fucking give it to others. At least that's what the study purports. I have trouble thinking that lonely... I mean, I guess a negative attitude could be contagious, but I have trouble thinking that loneliness is contagious. Well, define, you know, loneliness is a person who's alone... Alone and down and can't make a connection with another human. If you have that person around, your life is going to start. I think that's pretty accurate. I think loneliness is such a dark cloud that it can taint the rest of the people in the room.
I I agree with this study because have you ever been with you know there's like three or four of you and then there's someone who's a downer and he just ruins your whole you could just be watching a football game. Why you got to do it to him? I'm not talking about Vince. Of course you are. You are absolutely <laughs> talking about me. Him. I wasn't even looking at him. I don't see Fez necessarily as a lonely person. I don't. Let's check. Fez, are you a lonely person? I am a very lonely person, Ron. <laughs> Other than work, how much outside stuff do you do? How rare is it for you to do outside stuff? It's really rare. It's probably a few hours a week. Other than the telephone with your family, do you talk to people after you leave here and before you get here? No, never. Oh, How could you not recognize that Fez is a lonely guy? Okay, no, I made a mistake. First of all, and going home every thing back to your family in your own room for every vacation doesn't mean that, oh, he's not lonely. Right. Now, is he lonely by choice? Yeah. He is. Now that I he look at him, he kind of is making the me The fact lonely. that he won't like go to the diner and eat at the bar, he'd rather go to his house and order the food from the diner. That's antisocial. Yeah, he doesn't go to coffee shops or, you know, just... <laughs> Things that you bump into other people. Right. But Why is that? Well, here's the weird thing. A lot of people prefer to be alone. I don't think Fez is one of those people. Or at least he doesn't say that he enjoys his alone time. No. Uh, no, it's a... And I think there was a time when I liked being alone. I think there was a time where I, li where I enjoyed the hiding out aspect of my life, but I just don't feel that anyway. It doesn't feel, I don't get any comfort out of it like I used to. Why not? Um, I think it just, you know, for lack of a better term, it just got too lonely. It was too much or alone you, time. Or were you told by your shrink that that was wrong? No, because I think I started going back to the shrink for being lonely. Because the phobe, because I could, you know, when the anxiety kicked in, my anxiety kind of started as phobias and stuff. But when it was inside my own home, that, now that to me, it feels really lonely. When you're scared inside your own house, mm -hmm. that's lonely. Jeez. So what, what are you scared of? I don't know. That's the weird thing. It's like... Um, just like something bad's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Like something, um, I don't know whether maybe something's going to happen to me or, yeah, it's lonely. No, well, that that's different from being lonely, I think. Being lonely means like, oh, I got nothing to do. I mean, it sounds like you're afraid uh -huh. and you're, you know, yeah. you're fearful. But, I mean, if what would another person do with you when you were there? I, I think it would just keep my mind occupied. Hmm. So you feel unsafe. That's the key. Where, you know, anxious thoughts wouldn't be able to percolate. What, what, are, what, has anything ever happened to you there in the house? No. No. Nothing bad's ever happened. And you don't have a specific thing that you think is going to happen. No, it just feels gloomy, doom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think maybe the fear is 
and not that I've done anything about it, but I think what happens is when it starts to feed on itself is, is it always going to be like this? Because I've, you know, because I want to start dating, and I know I haven't, before everyone starts calling. No one's calling about that. One doesn't match the other. I I don't know how you you get the difference between being alone and freaking out because you're in your... I mean, if you go by what Dave said, that kind of lonely or downer behavior, just either other people catch it, or you drive them away. Mm. Yes, that's what the study says. And I do think you get a finite amount of time to be in a bad mood. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you get a finite amount of time to say, I'm sad, I'm lonely, nothing works for me, whatever, you know. It's almost like the the person who constantly bitches about their weight, you know. Right. Where you're like, after a while, you're like, you start to think of people you want to have over. You don't invite that person. <laughs> because they're just going to come over, complain about the food, whatever. At a certain, you, you get some of that from your friends. Your friends will accept a certain amount of, I'm upset. And after a while, they're just like, I don't want to ruin the night by bringing that person over. Yeah. So in that way, I think the loneliness things can. Uh, yeah, that's what that's what they're talking about. Yeah. And that person who complains about their weight. And, and I don't see sex. where I don't see how it ties in with the dating thing at all, Fizz. Mm-hmm. I mean, if a person is in their house, fucking freaking out, right? Right. About something that they don't even know what it is. They don't know what this feeling of doom is that has been chasing them for years. My advice wouldn't be go out on a date. Yeah. Fix yourself, is that the advice? What floor you live on? 14th. Jump. Oh, that's not advice. Didn't you see Flash Forward? No, I'm off. That guy fucking changed everything by jumping. I'm off of Flash Forward. I'm just, I'm, and I'm... You made a giant mistake. Clinging to V with my nails. I can't, I'm off the V. Say, how do you like that? <laughs> I'm behind on all of them. I have the flash forwards all DVR'd and piled up if, if I want to go back. And I might if it's a rainy day. Might. Um, yeah, I think you only get to do so much bitching to people before you drive them away. And then they're always the people that will be like, what I tell you? That person wasn't a good friend. You fucking bitched at them so much. <laughs> You fucking brought nothing to the table. Why would they want to fucking hang out with you? <laughs> as far as Fez's situation with his house, that sounds more like paranoia, not loneliness. Paranoia, big destroyer? You could say that. Put some music behind yeah, it. Yeah, what, what you're explaining doesn't sound like lonely. Lonely was, I wish I had someone to share this experience with. I mean, it feels like he he's unsafe. And but one knew, of the things with Fez, I don't think he knows what to do with his brain. You know? I think I would feel safer if someone was there. Yeah, but again, that makes you're going to become this needy person, and then that person is going to go, "I can't fucking," you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like you, you don't want to have a just a protector. I mean, at a certain fucking point, it depends. Maybe the person likes to be the protector if you can find find the someone with a sickness. <laughs> Seriously, no but, no. but if the person likes protecting, then Fez has found a match. If anything, I 
But here's the deal. How many times have we tried to get you a uh, fucking a roommate? Sheepy was ready to move in. Mm-hmm. Melinda was ready to move in. It would right. be a lot more fun. And you, no. No, 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 I won't. You wouldn't do it. So I don't see that as lonely. Fearful, yes. Lonely, no. A lonely person would dive at having somebody wanting to come in and, and share that stuff with yeah. you. You know? I mean, Melinda, who's more fun? No one. But maybe Fed still has some hang-ups, you know, and farting in front of people. And that's a problem. We ain't gonna bother Melinda. She's been tested. She's passes that test. Trucker Bill, you're on running Fez. Ronnie B, I don't get it. Fez pays this fucking shrink probably thirty, forty thousand dollars a year, and you give him ten times better advice than, than she could ever do, and he gives you a set of fucking earbuds. Well, I don't get it. I don't even know where the earbuds are. They're up in the. In, They're upstairs. in the office. They're in the office. See if you can I find don't a, get it. Yeah. See if you can find a window and throw it. <laughs> These windows don't open. I'll take them home. I don't think they open. They do. <laughs> Mark, you Michigan, you're on running fest. Don't want them to. Hey, buddy. It's, I, really, it's time to revisit the adopting thing. Fez, I think let's get the baby in here. Let's go get baby love. Bring her back in studio. Let's get the uh, process rolling. That's clearly what you need to do. At least get a cat. I did get a cat. Did that help you with the, with the loneliness? No, it didn't. Get a non-feral cat, though. That's the key. For the other animals. cat to play with. <laughs> For the we're, cat to eat. You know, we're at the point, Fuzzy, and I talked about this. I don't think you can be saved. <laughs> Did we play that um, that song that Paranoid sent us today about me helping Fez? Not yet. No, we haven't, though. Par- Paranoid has put, on a, put together a uh, bit about me helping you, which would, you know be okay but you're starting to get to the point i mean it's been a lot of years now you don't think you can be helped i wonder about that a lot too that's some of the scary thoughts that go through am i just beyond repair and i don't think you know the anxiety stuff is just so well documented uh that you know people either go on meds or they read those books they do the fucking meditations and exercises you do any of that I, yeah, I've done pills. I've tried that. They made me more anxious. I think you, you, you just got to eat more pills. And I've, I've uh, tried to get through some books, and I definitely, uh, and I still do some of the meditation. We should start smoking pot, both of us. Count me in, brothers. I'm serious. Me too. All right. I think it's time to get back onto the pot uh, train. Is there a pot train? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Need to get the the lingo it just down. Misses stops. I wouldn't mind fucking speedballing this motherfucker. Well, that's too. Because the one thing that's great about that is the fucking heroin takes the fucking edginess out of the coke, and then the coke makes sure that the heroin's your nods don't go so far that you miss the whole fucking thing with a nice sleep. Yeah. I think that's a little too intense. I think pot is a better starting point. Well, yeah, but what are we, pussies? <laughs> are we the fucking man club? I don't want a speedball. Man club. Guess who's out of man club? <laughs> <laughs> speedball is man club? Yes, it is. Jesus. Uh, Chris in Pennsylvania, you're on my face. 
Hey, Fezzi, I was wondering if you took advice from your shrink the same way you take Ron's advice by just acknowledging that he gave you decent advice but then doing nothing about it. It doesn't seem like, I mean, no offense, but nothing really has been changing, and it doesn't seem like anything's being done here. That's true. And no one realizes that more than me. It doesn't have to be pointed out to me. I think about it constantly. Think about what? Am I getting any better? Yeah, did you hear what he said? The reason why you're not getting better. He says I'm doing nothing about it. You agree, get people to stop talking, and then go back to doing the things that you did the day before. So it kind of is like this, like start and give me some advice. Ron, you really should I know, go outside. I know, I know, outside. Right, yeah. but you I need know. to go outside. I know, I will. I'm going to do it. Take a I walk. Know. outside, like you said. Fresh air. Mm. You need to get some fresh I know. air. I know it. Okay. No one knows it more than me. No. But then you don't do anything about it. You're just shutting up fucking Dave and his stupid advice. <laughs> fresh air is good for you. That's what my dad always said. I know. I'm going to start. You know when? When? Yeah. Never. <laughs> just saying. That's not time. I know it's not. Believe me, I know better than anybody. <laughs> it's just constant <laughs> like that. You ever get a little voice in your head, Fez? No. Never? Mm -mm. Maybe that's not why you're not doing things. You need a little voice in your head to tell you what to do. Get up out of that apartment. What am I saying? I'm fucking falling back <laughs> into it. I swear to God, you could go back five years, grab a tape, we had the same conversation. And that was before me for that caller. You get really mad about that, huh? Oh, I don't I don't. Where, where does it come from? Bag. <laughs> I thought they liked me now. I don't know. I can't fucking. I don't go and look at any of this. It's sites too anymore. much. It's too much. I just stay with 202 friends these days anyway. But I will never turn my back on Line of the Day. That's my favorite. <coughs> 9,000. I was trying to think of some kind of sports no. thing with that number. We're never going to get anything close. There's nothing big in the universe. <laughs> as big as I mean, stuff. now you're talking about like <laughs> basketball. We got a break. When we come back, Fezzi's going to do his new character, Dave Leno. How's that sound? That'll get you back on your feet. Perfect. <laughs> We're on a Fez show. <coughs> what the hell does that mean? That means whatever the hell you want it to mean. You're saying you want a piece of me? I can drop you like a bag of dirt. You want a piece of me? You got it! The New York Jets, they're bringing in Joe Girardi, the manager of the Yankees, to teach their quarterback, Mark Sanchez, how to slide better on the field to avoid some more serious injuries. I love this idea. It may, be a, it's, it may seem a little embarrassing, but you're bringing in the world champion Yankees. What, what is embarrassing? Well, you would think that there would be people in the Jets organization that would be able to teach him how to slide like a football player. Well, you don't slide like a football player. The thing is just teach him how to slide like a baseball player. So I, yeah. I think this like, is a great idea. It ties this kid in with world champions. It takes five minutes, and 
quite frankly, I don't know if the Yankees made it on their sliding abilities. <laughs> Nor is uh, Joe Girardi known for being fleet of foot and uh, being a big base runner. They want somebody to call S. Davey Lopes to come over and teach him how to slide. Well, you would think... Ask Larry Bowe how to teach him well, to slide. Yeah, you would think you would get a, someone who was known for having speed to teach him how to but slide. But Ricky H. Get Ricky. Ricky would do it. But make sure you pay Ricky. I know Ricky. you should fucking run down everybody else until we get to Ricky. <laughs> You're fucking so New York-centric. No, uh, I'd like Larry Boa. Just watching something on the Baseball Network with him last night. Top t uh, top nine like prospects or something like that. They have a show called Prime Nine, and it's a rundown of... And they said he was like one of the best prospects of all time. Why wouldn't he be? The guy was the greatest fucking uh, fielding shortstop ever. No, it doesn't mean anything in this day and age. No one cares about defense. Right. It's all about jacking the ball. Yeah. Uh, tell me this uh, Drew Bledsoe thing, what he had to say about Brady. Um, Drew Bledsoe said about uh, Tom Brady, he goes, I was hurt by the whole situation and the way that it went. Uh, and what exactly went down? What is he talking about? He's talking about when he got hurt and they put, Drew, uh, they, they put Tom Brady in his place in 2001. He's still pissed off about that uh, and, and still has a little bit resentment towards the Patriots because he felt like, well, I'm the man. I got us to a Super Bowl in 95. And he doesn't matter how many championship rings Tom Brady has. He, it, to me, he sounds very kind of bitter about it. But what can he do? Tom Brady came in. And he replaced a See, great player. Here's the thing as a professional athlete. You're never going to get a chance to rest. Like, even you, you pick the best fucking athlete, and they're constantly like, I got to bust ass at fucking practice today because I'm being watched. Yeah. There's no such thing as loyalty to a player, only loyalty to the stats. Well, I mean, Drew Bledsoe, I don't know what he's crying about. The Niners wanted Montana. Joe Montana out of there to make way for Steve Young. It's one of the few times where, you know, a great player has been replaced Look, by another well, great player. we just went with Brett Favre, where when Green Bay wanted him to leave, the fans went, well, then he should retire. You know <laughs> what right, I mean? Like, don't play anywhere. Forget having your own And hasn't he made enough money? Forget the fact that the guy is driven to play the fucking game, right? Uh, you turn around and act like, uh, well, then you should go home when the team is done with you. And the team gets done with you. And, again, you can't blame them. If they got a guy who's 37 and they've got a guy who's 25, the guy who's 25 is the future. Yeah, you have to put him in at some point. So if you go 10 and 6 and 10 and 6 the next two years, but you're going to go 9 and 7 or 8 and 8 with your 25-year-old guy, and then hopefully that you'll have an arc... You can't blame a team for starting to look in that direction. Yeah. Well, I mean, but, Kurt, Kurt Warner, yeah, with the Giants. You know, people forget he went to the Giants and got a 5-3 and three record. But at that point, they're like, we just have to get Eli in. And even look at a guy like Vince Young, who was a great young player. Things start to go bad in his head, and the fucking team turns on him. Now he's had to work his way back. And he's doing a hell of a job, five straight. But it doesn't mean that they're going. If he loses two more, he might be back on the bench. Right. There's nothing fair or respectable about this whole thing. It's just as simple as we're paying you money, and we want to use you until we use you up. It seems weird that um, Bledsoe would bring this up now. Uh, people have been asking him about it. You know, I think he's got some sort of commentator's job somewhere. Um, and that's why he he said it. And he was trying to be, he was trying to play both sides of it to me, where he was like, I don't blame Tom, but this wasn't handled properly. Well, 
A, you shouldn't blame Tom, but B, you shouldn't be blaming the fucking Patriots either because they have three rings to prove they made the right decision. Sports is one of the few things in life that there's no subjectivity to it. You fucking are... Well, no, there is because a lot of times the fucking coaches are wrong. You know what I mean? Like, they do make mistakes. Right, but I mean, I'm saying that you can just... If, you, if your numbers aren't good... You shouldn't be playing. Well, that, I mean, but it depends on what the numbers are. Like, everything that I said, if you look right now at Green Bay, the numbers would be better if they kept Favre. But they're looking at the future. They're yeah. banking on the future, not just in the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. So, again, you know, your boss will make fucking mistakes, too. People, for some reason, they must say, oh, God, it wasn't fair. So, it isn't fair. No shit. And I think when his uh, complaint also is that he lost his job to injury. But if you're not there, I mean... <laughs> that also happens. That's yeah. why you can't get hurt. That's, How many times have we seen guys get hurt and then can't work their way back in? Of course, Wally Pipp, they, you know, that's the famous thing. He, he gets hurt, he complains of a headache, and then Garrick takes over and never sits down. Here's the problem. He should have fucking stayed healthy until Garrick got sick and said, <laughs> I've fucking been Face. following you for 20-some years. <laughs> I'm fucking ready now. All right, now's your shot. Well, Bledsoe acts like he got kicked out of the league because of injury. He went to Dallas. And he went to Buffalo, too. I think he was Buffalo first, then mm -hmm. Dallas. So, I mean... Yeah, but you, you know that people, like, if you consider yourself something, right? It's tough for you ever to fucking drop that. Like, guys will fucking, they'll get traded or they'll fucking leave a team and then sit back and talk about that team for the rest of their life. They still will consider themselves, whether it's a cowboy or a Yankee or whatever. Yeah. I've seen it happen a million times with people. Oh, yeah. People stay... Ex-athletes can be very, very bitter. Hmm. Um, here is our good friend, the Blahard. Hey, Blahard. Hey, Ronnie. Isn't it poetic justice that when Bledsoe got hurt, it was against the Jets and Mo Lewis, a linebacker, took him out, hence creating Brady in the run? It's just all about the Jets being miserable. But getting back to the, the exception to the rule about loyalty, uh, Derek Jeter and the Yankees, they're not going to let him go. I think his contract is up next year. And this is the one exception you can think of where they're going to overpay for him and they're going to keep him around until he decides to quit because Derek Jeter is just such an icon and just such a team. Um, I can't leader. agree with that. We just saw Bobby Bowden get shown the door. Nah, they're going to keep Jeter around. That's... Well, Jeter's still good blowhard, too. But I mean... I'm saying, he's up for a contract. Now, what if he says, I want five years, 15, 20 million per? Well, they're not going to overpay, but they might have to because he is just such an icon with this Yankee tradition now. He's the modern-day uh, icon that the fans love. He's the most popular Yankee. They, they trade Babe Ruth to the Boston Braves. They, it's a whole different they, time if now. If they fucking trade Jeter... Uh, the PR is going to explode against them. It yeah, but people didn't happen. think they would get rid of Tory. And even Bernie Williams, there was overtures that he was a popular Yankee, that he was going to go to the Red Sox. And at the last minute, the Yankees basically stepped in and kept him. But Jeter is a whole different story. And that's strange in this day with the free agency that people just come and go. Whereas the game used to be, if you had a guy in left field who was decent, he would be plugged in there for 10 years at least. And that's how the fans got to connect with a lot of players. But now... They're coming and going like a revolving door, but Derek Jeter will never, ever play for another team. But don't you think the same thing would have happened to Brett Favre in Green Bay? Well, I, I think that maybe they saw some weakness in his game, 
And I think football is a different a different type of sport uh, where the fifteen. Well, think first of all, think, the, it, the, it's been a nightmare for Green Bay since they did that. The, it has been a PR nightmare for that fucking team. It certainly and, has. And Favre's you talking MVP this year. I've never seen the guy look so good. Now, sure, he's got a great team around him. And he's got a great line. He's got great weapons, but. We, with the Jets last year, we didn't see this. We didn't see any, you know, he looked like he was broken down at the end of the year. And sure, he had an injury. Well, he has Adrian but, Peterson now. But I still would bet any money that Derek Jeter will never play for another team. He will be a Yankee for life. And you can, go, you can take that to the bank because All right, I'm gonna he sells take the, most to the TD shirts. Bank. He's the merchandise. He's everything that that team stands for now. And uh, it doesn't happen a lot. And speaking of Larry Boa, he was a pretty damn defensive player, Ron. You know, you remember. I mean, he was one of the best defensive shortstops probably in the league at the time. And yet that doesn't mean shit towards yeah. uh, getting into the Hall of Fame. It's only offense. It, it, it's awful mm. that, you know. They ought to call it the Offensive to. Hall of Fame. And the same <laughs> thing goes to. for a guy like Mark Belanger for the Orioles. He was the backbone of that team. The guy barely batted 200, but... You couldn't find a better shortstop than Mark Melanger back in the day on the Orioles. I mean, defense doesn't mean shit. You're right. All right, I just uh, sent a text to my bank, and I cannot deposit your guarantee. So, I don't know. I want you to call TD Bank for me. They're not accepting your guarantees. (laughs) But they'll take all the coins you want for free, and Regis will hold the door for you. Yeah, that is true. They are the best when it comes to that. You don't even have to have an account. Mm. Here is uh, Gary. You're on Fez. Hey, guys. Good to talk to you. First-time caller, listened to you for years Thanks, in uh, Flagstaff, Arizona. Thanks for taking me call, my call. Sure. Um, I had two points. The you know, first was I have, a, I have a, a, an acquaintance who was a lineman, actually, for Drew Bledsoe uh, when he played for the Patriots. And, um, and uh, Bledsoe is extremely – when he left uh, New England, he, he felt like he really got a raw deal leaving there, and, and the people around him felt the same way. But – my biggest point was uh, you were talking about guys that uh, always consider themselves somebody else, and I guarantee you Emmett Smith considers himself a cowboy and not a not an Arizona Cardinal, sure. and yeah. also feels like he he got the raw deal from you know being traded away. He was one of I don't you debate on how good a running back he was, but he. he everybody's got to say he's one of the best running backs sure. that ever played the game. Well, it happens to most guys. Most guys don't play their whole career. I mean, Carl Malone, he ended his career as a Laker. You're like, what the fuck is he a Laker? Yeah. This guy's a Utah Jazz for life. It, it happens to a lot of people. I mean, all the quarterbacks, you know, Namath and... Well, who do we have on the uh, show? Oh, the old Mets uh, pitcher. Ron we, Darling. And Ron Darling said, you don't quit until you stink. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. the player is going to say, I'm going to squeeze out whatever I can to stay in the game. Doesn't mean that that team is going to feel the same I, way. I know, and that's why I think Blow hey, Blowhard might be right. If Jeter hits two twenty and is making thirty five errors in a season, the Yankees might not be that loyal. But they're they're going to stay loyal now. They're pretty cutthroat but organization. If you take uh, look at Fez's favorite team, uh, the Bucks, they kept Mike Allstott about an extra five fucking years than they should have. Mm. But the people in that town, you know, the A train that was their fucking guy. So the team held them for, you know, longer than they probably should have. Longer than most people would. Right. If he hadn't had that extra thing with the community, he would have been gone. Pajama Graham, it is... Pajama Graham. Pajama Graham. Great gift for the holiday season. Guaranteed to get women out of their clothes because they want to... How do you guarantee it? How will we know... 
that women will jump out of their clothes for a pajama gram. Because they're going to have to take off those clothes to put the pajamas on. And you're saying in between times, you can have sex with them. Those clothes will be off. So this is guaranteed sex. Um, yes. From pajama gram. Quick, uh, quick question. Mm-hmm. Anal? I'm not sure on the specifics there. I meant you. You take it that way. <laughs> pajama gram pajamas uh, uh, that, that. are comfy and sexy, practical and personal, and they're the hottest gift this season. They make almost everybody's top ten list of what they would want for Christmas. Are they flannel? They, uh, you could get flannel or lingerie. You can get all kinds, all different styles of pajamas at pajamagram.com. Which is warmer? The flannel would be warmer. Mm. Pajamagram. Which is sexier? The lingerie, I would imagine. Not if you have a flannel fetish. Now, the pajamagram, it's delivered in a beautiful hat box she's going to love. Also delivered with a lavender scented sachet. I'm sorry, did, she say, did you say cat box? No, hat box. Plus the lavender scented sachet. What is a sachet? I, it's a little, it's a little um, bundle. It's like a, a sweet-smelling stuff wrapped up in some materials, and then it's kind of decorated nice with a ribbon. So a sachet is a sweet-smelling bundle that's decorated with a ribbon. Yeah, it's like Never knew that. it's like potpourri stuff, and then it's all in some nice silky material, all wrapped up. So that what do you do with the silky material? Well, then you just hang it somewhere. You could keep it in your bathroom or your bedroom, and it just smells nice. Didn't know what one of these words. Did you know, Dave? No. Then there's the do not disturb sign and the personalized gift message that all comes with a pajama gram you know, free. You know where you need that uh, do not disturb sign? Where? Hotel. Well, it's the maid will come in. <laughs> they have their own. It's getting cold. Um, maids? No, the hotel has their own. Not do every not disturbs. hotel. I don't know if you've been every. Not all of them have them. I didn't know that. I've been places where I'm like, where's the do not disturb? They go, we don't, we don't even do that. We just disturb when we want to. Oh. I go, why? They go, it's our hotel. Now, it and they also, most of these places charge by the hour. It only takes a few minutes to order a pajamagram for your loved one this holiday season. Mm. Pajamagram, the perfect Christmas gift. Best of all, she'll think of you every time she's putting on her new pajamagram pajamas. Do they have any of their um, operators speak Spanish? Um, I'm not sure, but I would say yes, yes. I'm then sure they can help you. i got to make sure I don't talk to that one. Because I don't speak any Spanish at all. Well, you can get help in English. What? Best of all, um, the Christmas... What's best of all? Christmas delivery is guaranteed. Well, get there on Christmas Day, then. That would be fantastic. How do you know you think you got everything? Look outside. Here comes a UPS man. And my way of thinking, he's got a beautiful Santa Claus thing on. And he comes running up. He pulls it down. He says to the kids, there is no Santa Claus. By the way, you see the sachet? Your mom's getting hammered tonight. Oh, It's the gift that you're both going to love. Just visit... Who's the other one? Well, whoever gives the pajamas. The person receiving pajamas is going to love it, and the person giving is going to love it. Because I was going to get some for my cousin. You're both going <laughs> to love it. I don't know. The reason why she's in pajamas, she's very, very sick. Double, double mastectomy. <gasps> Two? You can visit pajamagram.com or call 1-800-GIVE-PJs. 100. That's 1-800-GIVE-PJs. 1-800. Or shop at pajamagram.com. What, what exactly is the number? It's 1-800-GIVE-PJs. All right, so if you want to reach Fez, that's 
Give BJ's. <laughs> it's not how you reach me. <laughs> and it's certainly ask. not how you reach Pajama Graham. You want to stop being lonely, don't you? 1-800-GIVE-PJ's. <laughs> With a P. Oh. I wouldn't like the payoff. Why do we have photos of me from the homeless shopping spree up in here on the computer? You know what's weird? Um, looking at those, you look so much younger. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. Um, oh, it's, I'm sorry. It's just my new website, uh, homefultheholidays.com. Ah. Uh, I thought it'd be a nice Christmassy thing to do. So we have homefultheholidays.com. All right, you know I'm not going on that homeless shopping spree, right? I just wanted to make the website. You got it. Well, my, my silent partner helped me out. Fezzi, I'm going to watch on Pal Talk. Look at that, you. Earl and Lily. Oh, was that Lily? Yeah, and the right, right next to Earl. Lily was with us three years ago. Yeah, I see. don't remember her being on the homeless shopping spree. She was tagging along with Earl, who was tagging along with you. A couple of tagalongs. <laughs> you can see his great photo on homefulthaholidays.com. <laughs> Is there any other pictures or just no, the one? Just, just the one. All, all your new things only have the one. Yeah, my silent Why partner. Why don't you put up a 202 link? Okay, my silent partner and I will figure that out. By your silent partner, you mean Chris? He, he, very quiet. Can I tell you something? How come he gets upset when Coke Logic does jokes about. Oh no, that was the exact opposite. <laughs> Coke Logic did jokes for Chris. Yes. I saw a Twitter fight take place. So I was really <laughs> laughing, but I couldn't remember how it started or how it ended. Well, it was Coke Logic and Fred. Right. <clears throat> but Coke Logic was working for Chris. Yeah. And Fred got mad. That's right. And Chris did a voice, sir, for Coke Logic, I believe. Well, we all go in FH Riley's and work this thing out. Well, I have a show, so I might just head to the Ronfest.net party. It ain't going to be like, it's not going to be the same without you. What time you work till? Uh, midnight. I, that's why I said you, why, you could sit in and we could start the party over here and we'll walk. Will you drink on the air? If I'm allowed. How far is it? Um, it's downtowns probably. Mister Downtown, <laughs> we gotta take a break. Forty blocks. Oh, you need to go on. Take it to the limit. No, one more, one more. All right, let's break here, and then we can come back and finish the show. All right. Run a fast show. The virus.
Sirius 197 XM 202. Ron and Fez. Number three, step forward. How many keys, you got, son? In English, please. Excuse me. In English. How many fucking keys, you got, son? What the fuck? Yeah, buds, it's the Ron and Fez show. Fez Watley playing the part of Mr. Christmas. Going out for the big tree lighting tonight. Yes, at Rockefeller Center. We'll be there. Uh, are you going to go watch the bands play and hear all the music? Yeah, I think I'll see as uh, much of it as I can. I don't know how close I'm going to be able to get. Push away right up front. Uh, Who is performing tonight? Um, that, I don't know. Got to know uh, these things. I'm sure there's going to be a pop act, mm -hmm. a country act, an older kind of a classic rock act. They try to take care of everyone. This is like the old Sullivan show. Sullivan show, um, and some of them perform from top of the rock up at the observatory. So you know somebody's up there. You hear the music, but you just can't see them. They're up so high. You're not going to hear it from there. Uh, that'll be on your monitors. Uh, Davy Mac, do you have a favorite uh, Christmas song, Christmas time, oh, or whatever? God, I love them all. You love every Christmas song? Yeah. See, I don't like a lot of the old kind of English ones. Any of that... Uh, oh, you know, I meant like uh, American, 30, American 30s on. to late 60s, early 70s. I was actually thinking about this. Did it all really start with White Christmas? That was going to be mine. That or Yeah, it had to have. Perry, that was a gigantic hit. And again, it's another focus of the rest of you country, of rest of your country since you're not in the Northeast, dream about it. <laughs> right. Yeah, What's I mean, it? why should you dream of a white Christmas if you live in Florida or Alabama or Arizona, California? You never had one in your life. No. Why would you want to have this song as your own? Well, it's just it was so well done. It was a gigantic hit. And I guess maybe down there they want snow. They'd like to see snow once in a while. Um, I love this. I love Blue uh, uh, Christmas by Elvis. Well done. Just like the one This one kind of hurts me a little bit because it reminds me of a non-white Christmas, a Christmas that I was watching a Vietnam War movie. So that changes everything for me to go through that experience. It also reminds me of World War II movies. Yeah. So I, Jesse Ventura's got nothing on me. By the way, Jesse's back in the building after leaving upset on the trucker fucking channel so don't worry he's never going to go completely away free wheeling. don't get all that upset free balling is more like it he <laughs> likes to say because uh uh blue uh, which one by uh elvis blue christmas there'll be a uh, let's have blue christmas now do you have to have these christmas songs to be christmasy yes no question about it i mean starting yesterday the christmas music gets played in my house Non-stop, baby. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Even though your wife and uh, children, uh, Jews. Right. Well, I don't consider my children Jews, but my wife is half Oh, Jew. they've been baptized by the Catholic Church. Hooray! No, they haven't, but... So they're know. not Catholic. Well, they're not Catholic. You're right. Thank you. No further questions. <laughs> um, all right. We can't even find the blue, uh, blue Christmas. Rick, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey there, Ronnie B. Yeah. Um, 
I'd like to uh, go ahead and nominate Chris Stanley for Beanie Cup. I mean, he is the man. Not and without the Blue Christmas. Holidays. Not without the Blue Christmas. Love this. Is a king. Without you, I'll be so blue. Any Christmas songs you hate, Dave? I can't. I love Christmas. That's yeah. what you don't understand. I love it. So I don't really hate any. Uh, Jimmy Sturr uh, does this rendition of Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, mm. polka style. Don't care for that. Uh, what about you, Hicks? Any Christmas songs you just hate? That stupid fucking jingle bell with the dogs is really terrible. Is yeah, I don't like that. Does that mm-hmm. count as a Christmas song? Is that just a gimmick fucking It's a gimmick, thing? And there's, but there's a lot of gimmick songs. The I Ran Over My Grandmother with a Reindeer, whatever. Right. The fuck I don't it like is. novelty songs. It's gimmick. Gimmick, it's awful. It's Zoo, which was, of course, Fez's dream job, <laughs> to be on a zoo show, <laughs> to be part of that lifestyle. <laughs> what was it you called? You called it something that was funny. Um, zoo, uh, I'm sorry, I can't remember. Zoo, um, zootropic? Zoo-centric? Zookeeper. I don't remember saying any of those words. Oh, you just start putting things on with zoo. Zuropa. Mm. Stan, you're on the run of Fez show. Hey, boys. Yeah. Uh, Bing Crosby and David Bowie, Little Drummer Boys. Fantastic. Um, that's when uh, Crosby did the, hey, look who's here. It's my gacked up neighbor. Come on in, buddy. We'll do rails together. Because you see how fucked up Bowie looks here. <laughs> His eyes are totally... Just fucking gone. And looked like he had gotten up in the middle of the night and just fucking cut his hair with a butcher knife. You better. Listen to this uncomfortability. I guess he's changing. Yeah, he does that a lot, doesn't he? Um, oh, I'm David Bowie. I live down the road. Oh. Sir Percival lets me use his piano when he's not around. He's not around, is he? I can honestly say I haven't seen him, but come on in. Come here. Come on in. Are you related to this person? Well, definitely, yeah. How long oh, is this fucking the, uh, opening going to be played? No relation from America, right? Ha! <laughs> <laughs> Gee, news sure travels fast, doesn't it? I'm Bing. Oh, I'm pleased to meet you. You're the one that sings, right? Well, right or wrong, I sing either way. Oh, well, I sing too. Oh, good. What kind of singing? Well, mostly the contemporary stuff. Do you, uh, do you like modern music? Oh, I think it's marvelous. Some of it really fine. Just marvelous. But tell me, uh... You ever listen to any of the older fellas? Oh, yeah, sure. I like uh, John Lennon and the other one with uh, Harry Nelson. Ooh, you go back that far, huh? Oh, yeah, I'm not as young as I look. <laughs> None of us is these days. In fact, I've got a six-year-old son, and he really gets excited around the Christmas holiday mm-hmm. thing. Do you go in for any of the traditional things in the uh, boy household Christmas time? Oh, yeah, most of them. How long is this going to go on? It's killing Christmas me. Tree just looking forward to the uh, song. Agent sliding down the chimney. What? Robin Williams has a comedy special airing this Sunday on HBO, a brand new exclusive HBO stand-up special, Robin Williams' Weapons of Self-Destruction. That's going to be on this Sunday, December 6th at 9 p.m. in the East, 8 p.m. Central and only on HBO. Hey, Bruce, you're on with Fezzy. Yeah, Fez, was it Zoolander? Zoolander with Ben Stiller? Zoolander, was that it? That was not it. It was not Zoolander. Now, Robin Williams, this is his fifth solo HBO stand-up special, and it's the accumulation of his sold-out tour, Weapons of Self-Destruction. 
This is it was his first tour in the, the last six years and taped in front of a live audience in Washington D.C. at Constitution Hall. Now coming to HBO. Here's Sean. Sean, you're on Run of Fez. Hey, Ron, let's pick it up a notch. Let's go run DMC Christmas in Hollis, Queens. Oh, that's the one they used in Die Hard. <laughs> yeah. It's Christmas. That's the only one that uh, Earl will stand up for. <laughs> and you can also see Robin Williams' current film, the comedy Old Dogs, co-starring John Travolta in theaters now. You saw that film, right, Fez? Yes. Fantastic. Hmm. Great film. Old Dogs with Robin Williams and John Travolta. Make sure you see that. And the exclusive HBO comedy event, Robin Williams, Weapons of Self-Destruction, airing this Sunday, December 6th, 9 p.m. in the East, 8 Central, and only on HBO. It's hard to believe that this is his only his fifth HBO special. It seems like he's done so many. Yeah, well, they're saying fifth solo special, so maybe he was on some where, you know, there was a... Try to guess. A what, variety of comics. What, what was that variety of comics that they would do every year? The young comedians? No. Oh, um, the 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 charity one. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, called Zoolander. <laughs> I don't think it was called that. Uh, all right. Uh, you know, I always talk about this. Two favorite Christmas songs of all time. Um, I always like "Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas," which is such a great song. Love the Pretenders version of it. But Dave, you're a David Letterman fan, are you not? Yes. And every single year, uh, David uh, Letterman kicks us off with uh, a song called uh, It's Christmas, Baby, Please Come Home, with the great Darlene Love. And did you see her the other night? Yes, I did. Unbelievable. One of our all-time great rock and roll singers. And uh, we've got her stepping right in to the studio with us, Miss Darlene Love.
Now, if that isn't Christmas, I don't know what else is. Miss Darlene Love, how are you, darling? I am just fantastic. I'm I'm giggly. I'm so fa- good. <laughs> you know what? You are absolutely correct. You are 100% fantastic. Thank you. You know, we were all just talking about uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, came on the other night, the... Uh, the big tribute show at Madison Square Garden. Gigantic rock stars happening out there. But when you take the stage, bam, the energy changes immensely. It was amazing. Um, When I got nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I got a call about three days later from Bruce Springsteen's manager. Mm -hmm. And Bruce wanted me to sing on the show with him. Mm -hmm. And uh, I told him it was a setup. (laughs) <laughs> he set me up because uh, his introduction of me was, it's a shame you're not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame yet. Right. And I was the only person actually that was on that stage those two days that is not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And then you walk out there and blow the roof off the place. <laughs> I try. <laughs> is is there anything in t- intimidating about walking out in something like that? Or have you worked with so many great people and done so many shows you doesn't bother you anymore oh no it bothers me all the time but the, the trick is not to let it but bo- let people see it bothers you yeah. you just keep it all in you and that's the energy that comes out once i start working so as soon as you hit the stage you're fine but walking up to the stage exactly you're like this has got to go good right <laughs> <laughs> um you know your career is so amazing looking over the stuff that you've done through your life and it never seems like it follows any kind of set plan. Just things, things happen somehow. I think uh, we were talking about my life for the last five or six years. It's like taking a life of its own. Mm-hmm. It's just going. And I have a saying, you know, everything in its own time. Right. You know, if you hang in there and like I've done, I've always tried to take care of myself. Uh, I go to the gym five days a week. Mm-hmm. You know, I try to take care of my voice. And um, it's starting now to pay off. And that's good. I told Bruce, I'm going to be like you. But I ain't going to do no four-hour rehearsal and a full four-hour show either. Oh, you, <laughs> did you have to go and rehearse crazy with him? Yeah, yeah. You rehearsed for two hours that day of the show. And then we did a two-hour rehearsal the day before at SIR, at the, at the uh, rehearsal studio. So mm-hmm. he works hard, and I believe in doing the same thing. I think you do what you do when you rehearse. Someone told me one time, they should charge to come to see your rehearsals <laughs> because my rehearsals are what I'm going to do when you see me. What happens when you do it in person, the crowd lifts you right. to another level. But do you ever get worried that you're going to leave something in rehearsal, like some of the energy gets left behind? No, never. never. No, and especially working with Bruce. I've never felt that kind of energy before. I felt it, but not unlike what was at the Garden a couple of weeks ago, because he worked so hard, and his energy level is so high Mm -hmm. when you come on the stage that you want to meet his his energy level. So it just brings that energy level up when you come on the stage. You come on ready to sing. I could have sung all my way, all all the way out to the microphone. (laughs) You're ready for it. (laughs) Yeah. You And you've sang with so many great people. You sang with the King. You sang with Elvis Presley. Right. At a time where... You know, I don't even know if we have stars as big as what Elvis Presley was. Not then. No, no, no. Uh, Because Elvis Presley was just finishing up his movie career. Right. And now he wanted to do his career, his, you know, stand, you know, sing for people now, uh, an audience. And he was intimidated. About doing it, he was a little afraid of doing it because it's been so many years. He'd since taken he taken time it. off, yeah. Right, you know, he just started doing movies and he stopped singing live, and uh, 
just to be able to be there at the beginning of that, because mm-hmm. we did his 19, when I say We the Blossoms, right. the other two girls I sang with did his 1968 comeback special. And we had so much energy in that room, he asked us to be on film with him and during the special. So we did the gospel part of that, that mm-hmm. uh, the show. And then he asked us to go to Vegas with him. But at that time, we really couldn't commit that kind of time, you know, to go out on the road with him because it was he he wanted you to commit for a couple of years and right. I couldn't see me committing myself <laughs> for that long. <laughs> you know, you never know what's going to come up. So is that then? And that's always been the way with you, too, right? Just wait for the next thing to come. Yes, along. right. Uh, I have. You know, we're so close to the Brill Building. You grew up West Coast, though, right? Right, right. You grew up on the West Coast. And how did you get here in the East and, and hook up with some of the stuff that was going on in the Brill? Well, you know, it was so funny because Phil Spector came from New York back to Los Angeles and mm-hmm. recorded He's a Rebel. And he didn't use the the original crystals to sing the song. And plus, Snuff Garrett, another record producer, had already recorded He's a Rebel. Mm-hmm. Phil heard it came to California, <laughs> found the musicians, he found me, and we mm-hmm. went into the studio and recorded it even before they even put theirs out. Really? <laughs> right. <laughs> so by the time they put their record out, ours was already going up the charts. Right. So that's how I actually met Phil Spector and found out about all the Brill Building people because mostly all my songs were written by Jeff and, er- uh, Jeff and Ellie. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's how I met them. I came to New York by the strangest coincidence you probably ever want to hear. I was doing a show. Uh, for Lou Adler at the Roxy. Mm -hmm. And he said, listen, I'll just invite all my friends and we'll just all come and support you because I I wanted to start working again live. And Steve Van Zandt came and he had Bruce Springsteen with him. Wow. And they were in the back and I had learned the song and for the first time put in my show Hungry Heart Mm -hmm. because I thought it was a fantastic song, but I would do it my way. And Bruce said he had never heard that song sang like that. He said, I don't even know if I sang it that good. I said, oh, yeah, you do. (laughs) And then Steve said, you need to come to New York. And I said, well, I don't know anybody in New York, you know, that could get me to come here to work. So he actually found me two jobs, a job at the Peppermint Lounge, which was still going at the time, and at the bottom line. And I came here and I worked. This was in 1982. Mm. And... uh, Alan Pepper, who owned the uh, bottom line, they were getting ready to do a show about Ellie Greenwich's music. And during my show, he realized how many of my songs Ellie had written. And that's how I ended the first time I came here. And when I came here the second time to do that show, I said, you know what? Maybe I should move here. Mm. Thanks for kind of moving here in New York. <laughs> Maybe well, this is where I should be. Well, it's amazing that you did the Spectre stuff on the West Coast. Cause yeah. Everything about that seems East Coast, that, you know, all the girl group stuff was happening on the East Coast, but you got to record with him out there. Right. Well, he was running from New York. Yeah. And uh, he probably couldn't come back for what he did. (laughs) Not for a little (laughs) while, anyway. (laughs) So even back then, you knew the Phil Spector thing was heading in the direction it eventually went. I did, because I tell people all the time, Phil was doing recordings that nobody was doing yet mm-hmm. you know he was you know overdubbing and overdubbing with echo which yeah. you really have to know what you're doing if you're going to do that and some of the songs that we sang back in those days phil knew what he wanted 
which was unusual for a producer. Yeah. They usually come and ask you, well, what do you hear? You know, what do you hear in the song? Uh, tell me what you hear. He knew exactly what he wanted. And I always say he's like a uh, the circus master in the middle of the stage popping his whip. You know. So was that comfortable for you as a singer to say, just tell me exactly where you want me to go with it, or would you rather feel it out? No, uh, for one reason, I was a, a big background singer at the time, mm -hmm. and we usually go in the studios and we ask them what they want. You mm -hmm. know, this is your record, this is your session, what do you hear on the session? So uh, they would tell us or tell us to make it up as we go or whatever. But with Phil, it was really great. We didn't have to think about what to do and if i wanted to really sing what was great about phil he wanted you to sing his melody right. don't go off the melody sang my melody and when the song is over you can do whatever you want to do on the yeah. end of the songs and most people don't even hear the end of the fade <laughs> yeah and uh phil had a, he always said if the song is not sold in the first 16 bars it's not gonna sell yeah i never heard anybody say that before he was so in tune to what was happening at that time yes in america and, and and music kind of changed from that point on. It changed big time. Yeah. And it left him in the cold because he tried to recreate that sound. And you just cannot. Right. You cannot because Phil used to record. And then, you know, in the studios, <clears throat> speakers are so loud. Mm -hmm. But when he mixed it all down, he had a little bitty radio. And he would lay his head on the console and listen to what it was going to sound like. Yeah. Coming out of the radio. Like he was a kid in his own room. Yes. That's brilliant. I know. That's why I said he was brilliant. Yeah. And we've seen a lot of, worked with a lot of producers, but I've never seen them do that. Yeah. Uh, so at that time when things started to pop, uh, it must have felt at certain times, all right, this is the gigantic break that I've been waiting for. Because there's one thing about you is you so much respect from the the people that you've worked with and the people that know music but it took a while to get that large kind of acceptance and people knowing what you've done on a lot of these records yeah um i think it had a lot to do with the history of how i started mm -hmm. doing backup and then people started wanting me to go out on the road with them right you know as their backup singers i went out on the road with dion ward for 10 years yeah then I got with Tom Jones for two years. I worked with um, um, Sammy Davis Jr. for a year. They just saw that part of me. Right. You know what I mean? Even though there were other people who knew I could sing lead. That's what they wanted at the time. So it right. actually took me a long time. You get stereotyped. Sure. That's the baddest thing about doing certain things. You get stereotyped. That's what they want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can sing, but right now, this is what I want you to do. Yeah, but from that I ended up getting a lot of respect from entertainers, and that meant more to you than chasing your own career. Or? Oh yeah, at yeah. the time, yes, I had two children, and I could stay at home and take care of them. Right, and you not leave it all in the hands of my husband. I worry about what's going to happen to my kids. Mm -hmm. So it was okay for a while, and then at the age of forty something. I decided to start this solo career <laughs> like a crazy person. <laughs> you know, what's wrong with me? <laughs> but um, I was dating Bill Medley, one of the Righteous Brothers. Sure. And he said, you know what? You have an unbelievable voice. You're either going to start your career or stay a background singer the rest of your life. And that's when I made the choice. One of the hardest choices I ever made because now it was all about Darling Love. Yeah. Finding me work. Selling myself to promoters, which was really, really hard because I was not a crystal. 
Yeah. And was Bobby Socks and the Blue Jeans, but the Crystals songs were the biggest records. And those are the ones that you were singing lead on, but weren't given credit. Right. He's a rebel, um, do run, run, and he's sure the boy I love. Wow. And they were the biggest records. Darling Love's records was like top 20. Uh-huh. You know, my records was not as big as theirs. So it got to the point, a lot of people start saying, there probably isn't really a Darling Love. One of either the Crystal, one of them was singing. Mm-hmm. But they had it the other way around when it was actually, <laughs> I was doing all the singing. But uh, it took a while, and I think moving to New York was one of the best ideas I had because sure. you can work in New York. You don't have those kind of clubs in California. Yeah, there's a cabaret type thing here that people could show up, and you can't fake it behind production when no. you're in a smaller place like that. When you walk in and you're singing, that's what that's the deal you're going to get. That's the, and then they didn't even today, you can make people sound great on stage, but sure. you couldn't back in those days. They didn't have all the equipment that they have today to make you sound great. By the way, Darlene, of course, is going to be uh, performing. Uh, of course, uh, you can go to DarleneLoveWorld.com. You're also going to be playing at the B.B. King's December the 13th, and then the Bergen PAC on December 20th, and then the Dave Letterman, the annual David Letterman show that you do, is the 23rd. And that has been how many years now? 20, this will be 24. 24 years. <laughs> yeah. And it's always this gigantic, real feeling of Christmas. I think that's the closest we get to a real Christmas special. I think, because they don't have them anymore. And yeah. then if they do them, they're so contrived and they're taped and, you know, they don't have everything. Everything at our show is live. Mm -hmm. And Paul Schaefer rehearses the choir and the band and me. Like, we've never did that song before. <laughs> every single year. Oh, every year. Yeah. It's not like, okay, come in the studio and let's sing. Never. Sometimes the choir comes in like an hour or two hours before call time. It's interesting, too, because Schaefer uh, seems like he would be perfect with you because he has the same kind of background as you of yes. doing everything in the music business. Right. Well, that, the reason that I do the show every year was because Paul Schaefer played Phil Spector when we did Leader of the Pack downtown at the bottom line. Uh -huh. And he got Dave to come down to see the show. And one day on the television show, I guess a couple of weeks later, he said, we got to get that, that girl on this show to sing that song. You know that Christmas <laughs> song I tell you? That's the greatest Christmas song I ever heard. Yeah. And from that till now, because it's funny, they forget. They say, how long has Darlene been doing this show, Paul? He said, oh, about 12, 13 years. I said, you guys forgot about NBC. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we did do it there for a while before we moved over here. So, but I have the proof because I have the very first tape that we ever did well what i love about it is like you said of course paul loves music but dave you don't normally get that feeling about yes. until your show i know and then every year he seems to be a little different about the christmas show Gen once i was i had to go to i was in uh london mm -hmm. for christmas and new year's and i couldn't do the show and somebody else did the christmas show and and dave they said dave said not on air mm -hmm. but he said if she can't come here to sing that song we're not doing a christmas show just the hell with it <laughs> yeah right 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 because he really does say christmas he started everybody saying that yeah christmas doesn't start until you hear darling love saying christmas baby please come home uh, for you, is that like a, a fun niche to have now that you're now known as this, you know, for, for the Christmas shows? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's always fun. And people stop you on the street. 
emails, texts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, when are you doing it? Uh, I hope you're doing it this year. And a couple of years ago, they were on strike. <laughs> 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 and they actually played one of the old shows, but they played that song. It's so interesting because you're known for so many kind of uh, different eras by different people. Right. Uh, you know, also, of course, for your your movie work that you did with uh, On Lethal Weapon. Right. For how many of those has it been? We did four, four, as, four as Danny Glover's wife. Yeah. Yeah. And then the Christmas stuff and, of course, the girl group stuff. So you probably, and your Broadway stuff, so you, you don't, wouldn't know why people are approaching you at any <laughs> given time. At any given, because even when I was doing Hairspray a couple of years ago, yeah. standing in the line, because, you know, we sign autographs after the show is over, and people will say, you're doing David Letterman this year? <laughs> okay, all right, we, we want you, we want, we're waiting to see it. Yeah. And people all over the country, not just here in New York, yeah. people all over the country stop me and ask me that question, which is wonderful. And then you also started, I guess, like a lot of people, from singing in church, right? Yes, my father was a preacher. And... Uh, start in the choir, gospel? Start in the choir, uh, with seven of us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, my sister also is a singer. Um, so that's how it started. And it was straight gospel during that time. Right. Uh, it was Pentecostal, so we couldn't cross over and do no devil's music. Is, is, <laughs> at, at what time were you, at, were you allowed to? Uh, I was 16 uh-huh. and I met the group, the Blossoms. And my mother and father didn't think it was anything wrong because mm-hmm. I met their parents and I was very well chaperoned because the girls were three years older than me. So mm-hmm. they kind of took care of me like I was their little sister. And everywhere we went, we were chaperoned and he knew. Uh, the biggest thing started happening after I left home and we got the television show Shindig. Right. But still at that time, I wasn't thinking about having this gigantic career. I thought this was just another step. You know, doing something different. (laughs) It's really interesting, though, that the people who grew up singing gospel, they will bring that feeling, I guess, into secular music. That's very, very true. And, you know, there are some that can't do that. They Uh, can't do both? They can't because I think they oversing when they come to rock and roll or blues. Mm -hmm. Aretha could do it. Right. But some they're just not going to let everybody do it because some some of them, I think, go way overboard with their gospel. You kind of have to bring it down. You can do it in person if when you do shows. Right. But when you're recording, you have to kind of bring it down. That's what Phil Spector did to me. You hear no gospel in my voice in the do run run. Yeah. Or he's sure the boy I love or zippity doo da. Well, <laughs> you know what's really interesting is that you don't really even hear the West Coast. That's why I always thought that you were on the East Coast when you made those things because it has an urban, has a city sound about it. Yeah, and because it's no urban city, you don't think about urban cities in Los Angeles. Right. You think about it here. Yeah. Uh, Los Angeles is just that kind of rolling Spread suburb. Spread out. Yeah. <laughs> so I would guess that you had somewhat of a sheltered childhood and then Very. You know, being thrown into this, particularly at that time when they're, you know, uh, the crossover music was happening, not all the people we're happy about it, right? No, and the girls' group kind of got lost in the shuffle. Mm-hmm. I was very fortunate to be able, I could go out and work, do background singing. Right. Uh, behind any star or whoever wanted me to work, and we were very in demand back in those days. I think that's the reason why we stayed with Dionne Warwick for 10 years. Uh, but it had gotten so bad and slowed down. If you weren't already a star, it was hard for you to 
get to be a star or get p- people to know who you are during that the mid 60s when mm-hmm. all the boys groups and we call it the London and the the English groups sure. all came over here it was all about them that was it uh and of course the Motown thing was happening and that was something that you weren't a part of right, right. that was almost competition so why all these these kids were getting on TV for the first time you were with another company. Right, exactly. Yeah. And then the funny thing about the Blossoms, they didn't know where to put us. Mm-hmm. They had recorded us. We recorded for uh, for um, Columbia Records, for RCA Victor Records, uh, you know, Capitol, and they just didn't know where to put us. Mm-hmm. We didn't sound black. We didn't sound white. So that was the reason why we could do such great, get such great background you can move, You could fit in with anyone. Right. Because you were even doing stuff for uh, Mamas and Papas and the Beach Boys back then. Right. And what, what Jan songs, and Dean. What songs were you on? Uh, the Beach Boys is In My Room, which was... That's yeah. beautiful, <laughs> beautiful song. It's a great song. And, and I, I've never even picked up on that, though. Well, you listening. know why? Because Lou Adler was so great and mm-hmm. the Beach Boys were so great. We were just giving them... We weren't there to let anybody know there was anybody else on the record. We were just building the sound. Yeah. You know, Phil Spector could overdub and give you all that sound but a lot of people couldn't do that so people like Lou Adler who had the mamas and the papas and Jan and Dean would use us just to embellish the sound not to change it yeah I just started telling that story about all of them you know maybe 10 years ago but nobody cares I mean they don't care that right. I'm telling that story so so what what mamas and papas records were you on do you remember oh, any of what? Monday Monday really so oh, yeah. right from the beginning oh yeah yeah Lou Adler yeah. we started Lou Adler and Herb Albert in the business wow they were two struggling uh, entertainers Herbie was trying to be a singer and we say baby you fine but you can't sing yeah go pick up that trumpet <laughs> For the people, I, I just did a thing with Cheech and Chong the other day. Ah, who Cheech was and with, Chong too. with Lou Adler and Basketball Jones? Basketball Jones, you sang on that song, <laughs> right, right, right. Um, they described Lou Adler because you know, be since he's a producer, not everybody knows him. But Cheech said that he's the guy that you see half of his picture sitting next to Jack Nicholson every every year. Laker. You just game. have to look for that white hat. <laughs> <laughs> so, because time has changed, yeah, and he's done with the business. You know, I tried to pull him out of retirement about 15 years ago and he said no i'm done i'm yeah. done i'm done so well it was guys like him who made all the money that's right <laughs> exactly because he sold uh done what did he sell done he i forgot who he sold his company to for so many millions of dollars back in those days and he yeah. was the only person he came out to do was uh what's the name lauren uh, laura um nero. nero yeah but that was it. He didn't do anything else after that. Had you met her? Had you? Uh... Yeah, I did some of the, the background on her album. God, this is some of the most beautiful <laughs> music ever done. Yes, those I, are those songs. Can I do that one? Give that one to me. Yeah. <laughs> some of the most gorgeous music I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Uh, what a pleasure to have you uh, sitting in with us today. By the way, if you get the chance, folks, uh, it's DarleneLoveWorld.com. And look for on Letterman coming up very, very soon. That's December uh, 23rd. And on the East Coast, BB Kings at New York City, December 13th. And then the Bergen PAC and December 20th. What a pleasure to have you in Thank here, Darlene. Thank you. This is always wonderful to come up here. Well, it's <laughs> it's great to have you in. Let's go out with, uh, well, he's a rebel. How about All that? Right. One, one of your faves? <laughs> yes. God bless you. And have you a great also. Time. Have a good Christmas.
Darling Love, one of the real, real greats. Uh, by the way, go out and check out Darling Love World. Fez is getting her to sign some stuff. Were you digging that, Dave? Oh, my God, was that amazing. It was amazing. By the way, don't you love her on Letterman every single year with that? That may be the Christmas song. I can't believe it didn't come to my head. That is the greatest Christmas song ever. Sorry, it is. Screw you, Elvis. Blue Christmas. Stop it. Um, Fezzi, I know you don't like music. Uh Uh-huh. But that doesn't touch you at all when you start to hear some of that old girl group stuff. The Phil Spector stuff, and it's one of those things that's so crazy in life that now, obviously, to a certain amount of people, he's just going to be remembered as that crazy person. Right. But that is never the first thing that pops into my mind, which might make me wrong in the other direction. I'm always going to go to the wall of sound stuff yeah. first. And I don't, uh, there's just nothing for me to identify with him. At the crazy end of his life. Hey, he's a brilliant guy. <laughs> Did Ronnie Spector and Darlene Love ever collaborate? God, that would be something else. You know what? They should be touring it together. That uh, would be a duet to, for to, all time. You know, some of the times we'll talk about stuff that happens here at Sirius. But the fact that we've had uh, Ronnie Spector and Darlene Love the same season, the same year, is nuts to me. Yeah. Insane. I mean, Insane. Phil, Spe- Phil Spector, even you know, with the Ramones, he, he he somehow did the wall of sound with the with the Ramones for crying out loud, with rock and roll radio. I mean, it was he was he was a brilliant. I don't think of the the trial either. I actually never even paid attention to the trial. It's just like one of those horrible things. That Somebody shot. Well, it went on me. for so many years before they actually even brought him in. Yeah, but I'm not. You know what? I'm not the big trial fan, like a lot of people are. You know, I guess I read a lot of Dominic Dunn, Dunn stuff over the years, but I never have that, oh, the big trial's on, are you watching, and, and start watching it like it was a goddamn reality show. <laughs> just never works for me. You know, normally I just see tragedy. I don't get off on, uh, you know, who gets caught and who's going to break down and what cops did. The whole thing's just too fucking sad. All right, Darlene Love. Uh and I want to see these shows. Actually, you know, brought up Ronnie Spector. She's got her thing coming up, and she invited us too. But Darlene Love, DarleneLoveWorld.com. Did you at least, Fuzzy, recognize her from the Lethal Weapon movies that she played his oh, yeah. wife and all that? Yep, definitely. I don't think he did, did he? <laughs> I don't know. I'll tell you this. During the last break, we walked down there, so I said to Fez, oh, there she is, and I saw him walk by her. <laughs> he didn't recognize her then. She is uh, sexy too. Dave, come on, be nice. That's you, a compliment. It's Christmas. You already have beanie. I. You're you trying to have, have be- a triple Xmas. I don't get it. Oh, Billy Staples, we bringing that back? <laughs> That's right. The Billy Staples, uh, very filthy triple. By Xmas. the way, I haven't talked to him in over a year. I have no idea how he's doing. I'd love him to have him come up here, but he can't go up heights. <laughs> no, no. He's got a new disease that he can't take an elevator without getting sick. We're 35 floors higher than he can go. He can uh, only go to the first floor? Just one. That's it. But while you're talking, I don't think he can go low either. I don't think he can go in an elevator. He's got to be sea level <laughs> at all times. Uh, that's it for us. Satellite. 
That's why we play the Satellite of Love song. Thanks for our special guest today, Darlene Love. So now it really does start the Christmas season. You know what? I Well, for me, yes, the Christmas season has started. Good. Beat Letterman. Why don't we go out with that song instead of this one? Because <laughs> I love that song. And then Darlene said, I've always wanted you guys to sing on that song with me. And maybe we could. Oh, wow. But, um, you know, the, the weird thing there is... All I really want to be is Phil Spector and come bring her back in here and start like doing a wall of sound with her. GVAC's party. Just hearing this, mm -hmm. I feel like I gotta be with GVAC at Christmas. Go to the Going Rogue party. Going Rogue Christmas. I'd like to get some reindeer and go to all of them. All in one night? All in one night. Impossible. <laughs> That's the end of my show. Dog. Hey, it's Ron Fez. We're done. Hey.